272 pages. We'll never get back. This is the Bad Book Podcast, where every so often, every week and a half, every 10 days, 12 days, 11 days, work days, please. We're like FedEx here. Um, I get together with Connor Listoka, who is here now, and we talk about books. Hello, Connor. Hello, Mike. Thank you for the breakdown of our schedule. I think it's very helpful for people who question whether the dumb sentence of the week applies if we are operating on an every 11-day basis. And to those people, I say, you are the greatest heroes for pedantically questioning the the title of one of our segments that the yeah, world has actually, ever known. Yes. As you describe those people, uh, you know, a tear <laughs> rolled down my cheek yes. thinking about their heroism. You saluted just instinctively. I did. I snapped one off the brim for them. <laughs> like, thank you so much. Uh, but we are... We're in the middle of uh, a book by Andy Weir. Mm-hmm. It is called Artemis. The follow well, can we call it the follow up to his smash? Yeah, it is. I mean, uh, it's it's by it's the follow up to the smash hit, uh, Oscar nominated screenplay uh, movie, The Martian, with the top the the end of year book lists, uh, and it's the the middle book in between another book called you know Project Hail Mary, I believe. So two acclaimed books. And then one, uh, <laughs> the, the, the difficult second album, as they say in the music industry. Um, <laughs> the sophomore slump. <laughs> though, as we are exploring and as people are sort of writing in, we, we question the narrative on this one, whether it's truly a sophomore slump or whether it's just uh, people got tired of, of shoveling down gunk and turned on the author. <laughs> well, to that end, I have a little tale to tell <laughs> you and the, the listening audience. It happened uh, just last night. Oh, wow. A, uh, a friend of mine phoned and said, uh, hey, I, this is a wild story for you. This completely relates. It could not relate more. So this is very timely. Someone called you to, to tell you this. Someone called me on, uh, what are those things? The oh, phone the, thing? Gizmo. Wow. He used it to place a call. That's He play, he, call, he took his gizmo out <laughs> and uh, he, he placed the call. The slugs went into his account, I'm assuming, to pay for the phone call. And uh, he told me that he was he was driving on a uh, you know slow road with lots of foot traffic, uh, probably is along the river, I think. okay. And uh, so it was a lot of stops. And he was uh, listening to our podcast. Well, that's kind he, of him. That's... <laughs> yeah, he was listening to Artemis. So that's the first thing where I know listeners are going, wait a minute. Friends don't listen to other yeah. friends' podcasts. I'm like, that is true. That is, I can understand yeah. your skepticism. You you got a phone call from a friend at, at night and that's probably thought yes. someone had died, but then you, you right. realized he was lying to you, and that's much worse. Yes, right. So, so for whatever reason, he made up this crazy tale. Uh, no, he he said uh, as he stopped at a stop sign, the uh, uh, podcast turned over to the new episode, and so the music started. <laughs> Uh, causing a um, a man I can't I don't remember whether he was biking or just walking who to stop him and go hey 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 is that uh, three hundred seventy two pages no uh, my friend goes uh, yeah and I think he he sort of pulled over to a safe place because the guy you know told him to uh, like oh pull it over <laughs> I was like okay. Wow. Uh, well, yeah. So he's encountered a maniac. One, so, two. Yeah. He's also listening loud enough that it's like you know the, his sound system is bumping out the uh, the theme song. 
He said it was a warm night. Uh, the windows were down. He, he he felt the spirit, so he's cranking 372. <laughs> I know. The story screams, strains credulity, but yeah. I swear it's this like, is how it was told. To this me. is like when yeah, Tom Hanks you know, hears Elvis on the radio for the first time in the movie and just does the slow turn to the radio. To... <laughs> uh, so the guy... Stops him, puts the arm and the head inside his, you know, opposite window there. And I was like, yeah, that's the, uh, I've been listening to this one too. This is Artemis. And you know, and he, he got very intense and started to tell him his theory that Artemis is most certainly not written by Andy Weir. <laughs> so your friend it thinks is, he's going to die. It is written by Klein. So a lunatic with an arm and a head in the window is going the deep dive (laughs) conspiracy theory. (laughs) My my friend is going, is my gun in the glove box or is it? Wow. Uh, And then said, uh, he goes, yeah, it doesn't seem. So my friend had read The Martian and had sent it to another friend who he thought would like it. Okay. And this guy wrote him back and said, this was fantastic. I loved it. (laughs) <laughs> and so my friend is open to the theory a little bit like uh this does not seem like the writing oh, yeah. of this guy uh but so anyway after a, a few minutes of of that and talking about the podcast he began to pull away the guy did not take his arm <laughs> or his head out of the cab and so he went like I, oh i guess you're coming with me i guess i got a passenger wow <laughs> and he continued to talk he said in total, 20 minutes. Holy crap! <laughs> That's incredible. That's like, I mean, you know, I've always thought, like, there's been times where we've been flying to Nashville or something, and I had, like, Bob Honey or Trucking Through Time on the plane, and I was like, what <laughs> if someone just, like, sort of, like, you know, tapped me on the shoulder to get my headphones out? It was like, are you reading that for... <laughs> but never in a million years did I imagine an encounter like that happening in real life. I... I... I can't believe it, and I, I I didn't know what to say to my friend because he's one who he doesn't particularly care what I do. Why he was listening to my podcast, I have no idea. But he knows what I what I do. But he has been with me a few times where people recognizing me from Rift Tracks or MST will come up and demand an autograph, and he'll look around. You know, he's just like half lidded eyes will go. Is that is it a setup? Like yeah, right. Yes, yeah. Watching to see not. if you slip him five under the table. Yes. So anyway, to have him be cornered in the wild is—it's like a great victory for me. It was so good. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a uh, you want a you want a video of the encounter just so you can see uh, his face and the the person encountering him. Yeah. Oh wow. man, I, yeah, it was good. I, I, that's terrific. So yeah, I think the lesson is: I think if you hear if you hear anyone listening in public, feel free to 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 you know corner them to <laughs> interject the yourself theories. into their personal space. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. Well, that theory, though, I mean, so that's, you know, I don't think it's unreasonable. We got an email that I'll jump ahead to uh, that, that sort of, uh, you know, this it gives some credence to it. This is from Cynthia. She said, I've been reading ahead because I borrowed Artemis from my library's digital library. And in the acknowledgement, Weir thanks his editor, Julian Pavia. The name rang a bell and I looked him up. He's edited all of both Klein and Weir's books. He has an AMA from 2015 on Reddit that reveals he's a huge, awesome sauce video game nerd. And now it makes total sense he would approve of their style. So then she has a, a screenshot um, of someone who says, uh, uh, a qu- they're asking him a question. It says, um, they, I, I guess he's referring to the pop culture stuff. It felt shoehorned and forced in Armada. 
The nostalgia element of the novel was video games being used as a secret training program, but that's all it needed. Old movies and whatnot had no bearing on how good of a pilot a person could be. Do you think the book would have been better without them? And that had 20 upvotes. And uh, the guy says, Leading your witness, Your Honor. Objection. In all seriousness, it's hard to talk about this without getting spoilery. Is it? Uh, but the pop culture <laughs> references are crucial in Armada in, wow. certain, in certain ways. And I think they're a part of the charm of Ernie's writing in general. So no, I don't agree. Mostly, though, I'm sad to hear you didn't love the books. I'm disappointed that he didn't say, it gives me a sad that you didn't love the book. But I, <laughs> or I have the sad, but... Don't yuck my yum. <laughs> so yeah, that's the uh, that's the guy who could truly uh, pin down um, uh, head in the cars theory. But uh, maybe we'll have to. I think we got a little bit of a To Kill a Mockingbird situation here. This rumor's not going away, folks. <laughs> yeah, like uh, why not? Uh, you've never seen him in the room at the same time. <laughs> you know, the client uh, can't can't AI uh, analyze this and give us the answer. I bet you, yeah, you might be able to. The way you can tell if a paper is is sourced from Wikipedia or something. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, that's exciting, but. Um, I think uh, if there's any more street encounters, um, please let us know about them. If you ever run into someone else who recognizes the podcast uh, in the wild. Right. But, um, well, let's get to the book. I think it's an important uh, episode because this one crosses the halfway mark of, of Artemis. Right. And it's sort of, I don't know, it provides us a, a, a good opportunity to, I don't know, reset. Um. Yeah, and I think sometimes this is true. I know all you writers out there, and you, Connor, you and I are writers. Sometimes you have to write your way in. Mm-hmm. You know, you 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 kind of almost if you could throw away, you're not going to, but if you could throw away the first half of the book and start over, you write your way in. You find your characters, mm-hmm. and so by the by the middle, your the pen is humming. The yeah. pen, the 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 computer, whatever you're using, is is humming along, and you found your voice. Yes, absolutely. It's a um, uh, growth on the page, as you see. And I think as we read through this and, and analyze it, if you can call what we're doing analysis, you, you want to make sure you haven't been too unfair. You know, you want to you want to um, uh, make sure that you're going to be clear eyed going forward, just because, as you said, maybe this guy has grown into what he's what he's writing and who these characters are. So I think the halfway mark sort of provides a good um, opportunity to clear our plate look at this with fresh eyes, uh, right. a, new, a new day is dawn, make sure that we're not just like hung up on something we read in the first chapter. and, and yeah. are... Splash a little water on the face and the back of the neck and, and let's dive back into part two. Got it, yep. And so yeah. chapter seven starts with, um, I stared at Dale like he'd grown a dick out of his forehead. <laughs> <laughs> so so good night, folks. That's, uh, we'll see you next and... 11 days for episode four. Um, we we gave it the college try there. <laughs> that was one that when we were when I was going through to find out what the assignment would be, you know, two weeks ago when we recorded this, I just saw that as I was doing a word count. I was like, no, <laughs> <laughs> and I forgot about it until like you know six days ago when I started reading this, and it was like incredible, incredible. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I, it made me think of. Um... You know, we've we've done it many times before, but uh, great first sentences, right? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's got that little robot pimp um, energy to it. I think it's uh, you couldn't read the sentence in any other book. I would say that's what that's what that has going for it. 
Whether I shall turn out to be the hero of my own life, or whether that station will be held by anybody else, these pages must show, as I stared at Dale like he'd grown a dick out of his forehead. <laughs> oh, man. All right, there's a challenge, audience. Uh, where, where would that best work its way into? Lolita, light of my life, fire of my loins. Why do you have a dick in your forehead? Uh, All right, and on and on. Anyway. Yes. But that is uh, that is how she's encountered Dale, her uh, you know former best friend, as he has uh, found her in the uh, Apollo Eleven Taurus Center after she's committed this act of terrorism, blown up three um, three moon cruisers or harvesters or whatever. And this is the encounter as he's like, "You're busted! Like, what's going on?" And the first thing that we encounter is something that we read in real or fanfic. Um, but it's, yes. it's worth revisiting just because the context of, of when it has happened is very important, I think. But he, this is where he said, uh, um, you're going to, she says, you're going to lecture me on morality. And he says, are you ever going to let that go? And she says, why should I? And he rolls his eyes. Tyler's gay jazz, gay as Oscar Wilde wearing sequins, walking a pink poodle with a tiara on his head. Poodle has a tiara? No, I, I meant Oscar Wilde has the tiara. And, right, right. Anyway, so this that's just the, the, the context of him essentially having a gun drawn on her as she's just uh, the most wanted fugitive on the moon makes that exchange even better. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, if uh, Dick out of the forehead is Exhibit A, uh, Your Honor, may we introduce uh, Exhibit B, this little exchange, which comes right after it, as we prosecute Mr. Andy Weir for writing this book. Yeah, or as the AI scans to see if it's uh, Klein, it probably explodes and is like, you know, nope, <laughs> the, uh, you know, the evidence is too strong. Please, why did you ask me such a simple task? Uh, so, yeah, to get people up to uh, speed on the... Uh, she, she has um, uh, sabotaged a bunch of uh, moon machines... Mm-hmm. Uh, in this very, very small city uh, on the moon. And she had gone out with Tyler, and then Dale stole Tyler, her boyfriend, who sh- whom she loved. Correct. I had to look it up. Tyler is the is the former boyfriend who's gay. Sean is the one who the Morals Brigade beat up. <laughs> right. So not to confuse the two. But she was having a wonderful time with Tyler, right? She was reporting to Kelvin about how great their relationship was. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. She'd never been happier. She'd finally been grounded. You know, she moved in with Sean and her dad disowned her type of thing. But this was, she'd finally turned things around. But, um, yeah, <laughs> she describes him as, you were nailing the only man I ever loved. Um, so <laughs> it's hard to hard to understand. It probably was not a mutual feeling. And she turns out she has a really bad radar for guys if this is the only, this and Sean are the two relationships we've known about. But, um I don't know. She, she still resents Dale about this. So she has post her, you know, huge crime. Like, I mean, the the level of uh, uh, criminality here is, I assume, off the charts. Like, uh, yeah. You know, if the, the moon has its own rules, if she's like she's on a, you know, a, a Native American reservation or something like they could probably just lethal injector and no one would <laughs> i don't think anyone would complain sure yeah moon frontier justice it's inter- international waters as we learn you know more later on but during this as you heard she has this uh, you know stammering conversation with dale who's got her dead to rights <laughs> and this is a just in the middle of it i just want you know for writers this is a little writer's <laughs> moment a phrase to avoid 
I forced some logic through the swirling vortex of anger in my brain. I had to be a big girl just for a minute. I didn't have to like it, but I had to do it. (laughs) Adulting, yeah. Yes, in the middle of everything that stuck out to me is like, wow, I still hate this, even though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and it also makes time for a, a gag that I think this is the fourth time they've done it. Um, as she's, uh, you know, saying, he says, Jazz, give me a reason not to call the EVA posse anything. Then it says your line right there. So he says, give me a reason not to call the posse. I'll give you 100,000 slugs. Okay, that's a pretty good reason. <laughs> <laughs> he loves that gag. Yes, it's on. Man. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that lets him uh, introduce. And it's always been about money, right? It's always just been. Uh, I won't do that. I'll give you a million dollars. Fine. Like, <laughs> yes, yes. No one has any deeper motivations. Everyone has the exact same motivations. Everyone's the same person, except <laughs> one likes puppies and the other's gay. Like, there's no difference. And and the others is is a uh, devout Muslim or a uh, observant Jew. But pretty much they have the same attitude and do the same thing. Yes, they can all, you know, speak to the camera like in the office um, using the same pretty much, you know, you can tell who wrote the same thing. Yeah, they all all can quip with the best of them. Uh, And then this great moment, I'm sure you flagged this as well. (laughs) Uh, How do I read this? This It's going to be tough to read. It's a uh, it's a it's off the page uh, gag. So I'll try it, though. I began, but I suppressed the you in my throat. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I put that down as, I mean, that has to be dumb sentence of the week. People had to send that in by the thousands. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, I flagged it immediately as that for me. <laughs> yeah, it's barely even a sonic challenge because, I mean, you, you did it pretty successfully, but it's a, it's a, uh, you know, it, the edit, the the teach the TA who taught my you know fiction writing one hundred and one class in college just would have been like, you know, I know you probably think you're the first person to come up with something like this, but really, really reconsider it. <laughs> I wrote something that was like it started and then it ended and it was circular, so it would keep going. And she was, the, I just remember her being like, "This is not as clever as you think it is," and I being like, "I don't care. I'm, <laughs> I'm using this." But it was like, yeah, she, she was a hundred percent correct, and <laughs> really should have reconsidered. And that's what this is as well. <laughs> Circled with a red grease pen and uh, see me after class. Yes, please, <laughs> please reconsider. Uh, yeah, so she she then translates that into she suppresses the uh, fu and transitions into because he says I don't want the money. I want us to hang out once a week again at the bar like we used to. So she transitions into. Fine, I finished. Oh, <laughs> Once a week doesn't mean we're friends, though. Ugh. Um, but so she agrees to to meet up with him, but then uh, you know is trying to negotiate with Trond because he wants the last uh, harvester destroyed. Says you need to finish this before you get any paid. But then she uh, tries to like go back and find a hideout and bumps into Rudy, Rudy the Super yes. Mountie. Rudy, but it's hard not to do. Like, sorry. Oh, Rudy with the mountain suit, and you're eating the pudding <laughs> with the pudding and the Rudy. All right. I wanted to uh, recreate this because the it's the Mountie. It's a just a short section. Do you have it there that starts yep. with yep. "Good afternoon, jazz"? Yep. Would you play jazz? Uh, of course. Good afternoon, jazz. I've been looking for you. You'll never take me alive, copper. 
Is this a hull inspection bot? Why would you need one of these? Uh, uh, feminine hygiene you wouldn't understand. Mm, let me hand it back to you. We need to talk. <laughs> Ever hear of... <laughs> there you go. <laughs> wow. It's a... Uh, the, she, he, he remains constant as the Dudley Do-Right, but she uh, you know, lapses into... Um, I mean, who is that? Is that Jimmy Durante? No, not Jimmy Durante. Jimmy Cagney. <laughs> yes. Damn it. Yes. <laughs> uh, and but then back into a uh, sassy uh, uh, female yeah, Ghostbusters she, character. Yeah, she yeah. talks about her her own uh, sass a lot, which uh, I've got I've got some strong comments and thoughts about that later. But uh, yeah. yeah, I, I do like the uh, I marked that as a uh, we, we've had a lot of them, but just take a look at the author uh, moment as a, as he as he trots out the uh, feminine hygiene you wouldn't understand uh, yes. response that I think you know. Uh, g- guys of a certain age think is just the way that women will explain away anything that they want men to be like fine go on through <laughs> yeah he's got a he really can write a woman you got a lot of that coming up yeah. uh, i like he really gets in the mind <laughs> i like that the uh she says like you know hey like uh he says you know i am here and she says is it something canadian do you need to apologize for shit that isn't your fault or hold open a door for someone 20 meters away so it's just it's something's somewhat like heartening about the fact that um, stereotypes persist into the future. Um, you know, Canadian stereotypes from the from the early aughts, um, you know, exist eighty years later. It, Especially since that one, the holding the door is one. <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't know that, but I'll I'll look <laughs> into it about Canadians. I don't know. And this is good too. This is something that I've, I'm sure I've done. And uh, it's just, but it's, once you notice it, it's a, it's a, just an advice for writers out there. He says, uh, I, I assume you heard about the Sanchez harvesters. And she says, you mean that top story on every local website? Uh, yeah, I heard about it. So, are there a lot of local websites on the moon? Just, you know, <laughs> blogs, uh, you know, cataloging the music scene or like gossips and stuff. It's just local is something that every time you use it, it means that someone is pretty, pretty much like lying or panicked or just right. uh, <laughs> local. Uh, and so they're they're having a walk and talk here, uh, I think, as they walk through the, you know, moon uh, bubbles, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you can all you can all picture them if you've seen any sci-fi covers. Old sci-fi covers, yeah. Yes, uh, not my problem. I rounded a corner without warning to throw uh, without warning to throw him off, but he kept up. He must have known I was going to do that, Dick. Like, <laughs> wait, wait, what? <laughs> a moral judgment that he followed you when you took a right into a hallway. <laughs> I mean, there might be some reasons not to like this guy, but that's not really one of them no, that I can see. Definitely not. Yeah, the vigilanteism might be uh, might be more of that, but uh, it, it doesn't really speak to uh, his you know prowess as a former uh, you know Green Beret style guy that he's able to sense if you're going to take a right turn. Right. That's uh, not quite Sherlock Holmesian. So she goes on to try to transfer him like a hundred slugs, which he declines because you have to accept a money sent to you, which is a dumb user interface thing. Like, why would you ever need to do that? But uh, he says no. But she says, uh, um, he says, I've known you since you were a little delinquent. You don't want to admit it, but you're just like your father. You have his business ethics. Uh, And so she says, so I pouted and looked away. Oh, I guess he was sending her the money. Then he says, you'll lie all day if we're just talking. But if I pay for the truth, that makes it a business deal. And a Bashara never reneges on a deal. 
so he's got a weird little tick like uh you know austin powers has to <laughs> has to ask the same question three times to the guy like she has the inability to uh lie if there's money involved in it which is right. wildly stupid <laughs> so that's how he's going to get her yeah it's uh, he sniffed that out along the way so she declines the transaction and says uh you know well i cannot tell a lie oh here's uh and then it goes into i think that's after that um her sassiness and her own commenting on her sassiness okay uh, i ran out of smart ass things to say it's rare but it happens once in a while <laughs> is, is that what's supposed to have been happening this whole time <laughs> yeah i ran out of witty one-line zingers and thrilling pop culture references that will uh you know bemuse my my very smart readers it doesn't happen often but when it does yeah, it's like a uh, when people do the uh, but but seriously, folks. <laughs> oh, the, I was oh, I'm sorry, I was supposed to be laughing. <laughs> well, the reason that he's been able to uh, you know sort of get her dead to rights here is because he reviewed the security footage of her um, on the train. I guess when she was in disguise, wearing the uh, garments that we don't know about because we're ignorant. Mm-hmm, he right. says Muslims don't bow to people. Even Muhammad didn't let anyone bow to him. They bowed to Allah and no one else, ever. And she says, shit, I really should have known that. So <laughs> I'm glad that the Mountie is then up on the, uh, on the uh, you know, nuances of religion that most people do not know about, though. It's, uh, I'm glad he's done his research. He's up on his you know, Shiite and Sunni schism as well. He's, uh, he's well-read on the subject. Yeah, maybe that's how you know, he's like, let's see. I'll follow. She's going to take a right in this hallway because that's what lapsed Muslims do. <laughs> not not devout uh, ones, but lapsed. Yes, yeah. And but she does keep up on the gossip. So yeah, let's let's pick up the pace a bit here as she rounds the corner. Yes. Uh, and he's all he know. He's immediately figured out what's happened. He's he's complete. He knows that Trond is involved too. So he's just sort of doing like you know I'm I'm you know I know you did it. I'm just waiting for you to slip up so I can track you down. But he's uh. He's, he, he leaves her alone to go about her day as he, you know, tries to pin down, like, I guess, something that's not circumstantial evidence. It's a weird, I'm still, I'm having a hard time with the Rudy character, and there's <laughs> there's more coming up. But he, so he's a super buff, handsome, super handsome, right? Yeah. Oh, she's like, yeah, later on. Um, later on, slavers over him. A yeah. Canadian Mountie, wearing a Canadian Mountie uniform, although we get a clear pic- a clearer picture of what that is coming up but for now it's i'm just picturing canadian mountie uniform yes you have no reason not to at this point in time uh but he then he uh extracts vengeance on foreigners by beating the living crap out of uh you know wife beaters as Mm -hmm. they used to say apologize for the term but uh and then uh and then he's he's columboing her to death like (laughs) you know uh just one more question for you if you weren't on the train and i know this is this is out of nowhere like what is i don't get this character what is it (laughs) and like is he earning a lot of money to do this like why is he uh you know why, why is he gone to the moon to pursue this uh you know, line of justice. Is he like a, a Dalton figure from Roadhouse? He he killed a man in St. Louis, so he had to flee to the moon. <laughs> heard you killed a man. Heard you said it was in self-defense. <laughs> you heard that? The trial isn't open. You can just look at it. Anyway. Um, yeah, I don't know. We, we, we get a better picture of him later, though. So let's Yeah, see. it does. It comes into focus. But right now, I'm, I'm grasping. I don't know who this person is. Well, we got it. You know, 
later on we get more information about our main character that he has deigned to not meet out until you know uh, over halfway through the book so he's not he's not super in on really bringing you along Mm -hmm. for the ride he just wants you to you know remember star wars um is his his primary goal here so right (laughs) (laughs) she decides that she's uh going to go back to the bar hartnell's uh named after a doctor who character uh, uh billy yes <laughs> to drown my misery in alcohol and testosterone i'd have a few cheap beers throw on something sexy head to an aldrin nightclub and go home with a good-looking guy hey i could even give svoboda's condom a trial run why not um so that's it's the, the biggest mystery we have as we go forward is how that's going to um play into this because it is at the forefront of his mind he reminds us every chapter that she's got it um <laughs> and she uh he keeps the joke going as billy gives her a uh, more homebrewed liquor that she says tastes like horseradish even though it's rum um and yeah, she- did you find though that you know there's a lot of intrigue and it's like i was worried she was going to get caught by rudy but then to just get this extended riff on the doctor who universe just really like you know it was like a warm bath for me just slipping into <laughs> yes. oh billy must be something in the ethanol removal process. I do have a vodka to try out of your game, eh? Oh, Billy. I just loved it, yeah. Billy. And, she, oh. and he, she does the, he does the, again, I think it's the second time she's ordered a beer and not been able to drink it because something's called her away. So that is another uh, another repeated beat. <laughs> he, he has a formula and he likes to stick to it. <laughs> she goes to... Uh, she. Uh, yeah. I don't think she had ever thrown on the sexy outfit, though. She heads oh. out to go see Tron, right? She just she goes yeah. she goes straight to the bar. I don't think she's wearing something sexy. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure when he just talked about that. I guess he just wanted to plant the image of his twenty uh, something girl wearing something sexy to just make the Doctor Who stuff that much sweeter. Um, oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we, we get uh, we get her exact age coming up too. Yeah, we do. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna hang on to that. One. <laughs> I will too. And I, I, have a, I have a voice I'd like you to do as we read some of these things. Okay. And I'll spring on you when we get to them. All right. Uh, so she, she goes to see Strand and uh, uh, Arena, the uh, heavy set, um, you know, East German uh, 1970s swimmer woman, does not answer the door and. Uh, she said, where was Arena and her trademark scowl? I'd already worked out some choice, smart-ass things to say to her, which is like the biggest tease in terms of <laughs> him hinting at smart-ass quips she might make that she fails to deliver. Well, let me see. I mean, beyond who pissed in your borscht, I, how are you going to top that? Uh, is what I... <laughs> uh, um, block the door much? <laughs> Which, you know, it, it, that I, I thought of that right now as we were doing this. It's not far off from the witticism she's about to deliver. So I, uh, <laughs> uh, but she, she gets inside. She uh, sees a vase on the ground, a splash of bright red blood on the wall. Nope, I said. I spun on my heel and stormed back into the hallway. Nope, nope, nope. End of chapter. <laughs> <laughs> So she literally just nopes on out of there, Mike. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. <laughs> the guys uh, in Zero Dark Thirty, finally they, they see Osama in the thing. Nope, 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 nope. 
And no pun the, out uh, the compound. The, the finger, wa- the, you know, like the hand wave up next to the head. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> Waving them off. Yep. I mean, you know, you got to put yourself in the mind of a reader who maybe just encountered uh, a, a nope meme in 2015 when they did this. But uh, <laughs> it might not have been painfully uh, old and, and cliched at this point in time. I saw someone post a picture of a black snake they encountered in northern virginia on the northern virginia reddit uh, earlier this week they referred sure. to it as the nope rope so i think that's you know that's mm. the level of what we're dealing with here in this novel that you're supposed to be enjoying is uh, is that level of <laughs> wit mm. another crumb of clue about uh, possibly this being klein doesn't he like to use things kind of well after their expiration date <laughs> I, th- I mean, I think yes, absolutely. Uh, you know. All right. I, I'm, we're just building a case here. Yeah. We're not uh, preponderance of evidence. I'm not to uh, decide. Yeah. yeah. So uh, she nopes on out. Then we get a uh, a uh, more reader uh, emails exchange with Kelvin. That reminds yes. They reminded me of like, uh, I don't know if you, you have someone, you know, an accountant or whatever. And every time, you know, every April when you're going to do your taxes, you have to do the How's things been? Like, oh, yeah, you know, you get out, you do this. I heard you were taking a trip. Like, you do. All right, well, so here's my receipts. Like, you got to do right. terrible small talk every time. Exactly. <laughs> so she does that with Kelvin as they start, like, uh, making a, a scheme, I guess. But because um, he, like, tells her about his family and stuff. But she she lays it on thick about Tyler is great. He's the sweetest, kindest man I've ever been with. I'm not the mushy short, and I never thought I'd say something like this. Seriously, he might be worth marrying. <laughs> We've been together a year, and I love him. That's unheard of for me. The, the only real sticky point is all the sex with men he has. That's. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in every way, he's he's fantastic. Uh, you you couldn't have a better boyfriend. I mean, he brings he's romantic. We go to dinner. He has a lot of sex with men. <laughs> Uh, I'd like reminded you to, me uh, of a setup for a for the late great Norm. Yes, if you could uh, take a big swig of uh, whatever. Yep, I got some beverage water, of choice. Icy, nice and cool. I'll just continue with what you were reading. He's the opposite of what Sean was in every way. Tyler is considerate, loyal, devoted to me, and a total sweetheart. Plus, he's not a pedophile. <laughs> Which is a major bonus over Sean. God, I can't believe I ever dated that asshole. <laughs> prose, lady. The sweet honey prose of and, Andy Weir. And just absolutely incredible that that is the, I presume, going to be the final payoff of the, uh, of the my, my former boyfriend was banging a 14-year-old and got killed or beat up by a mob because of it. Yes. Of that... Uh, of that, you know, that was the hang time on that bit. <laughs> <laughs> the morals, mob, morals. Brigade, gang, brigade. Brigade, yeah. brigade. Thank you. So, yeah. So, I mean, you know, Tyler, you know, by, by all accounts, seems great. But he's also got the bar lowered pretty well for him to <laughs> waltz on in. You know, he's you know eating Cheetos in his underwear on the couch. And she's like making doe eyes at him because he's not uh. a pedophile. <laughs> Isn't the uh, it's the old classic Chris Rock thing, right? You don't get credit for that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Not being a pedophile is what you're supposed to do. <laughs> yes. Um, but you know, hey, maybe maybe there is a deep uh, a, a deep uh, moral lesson to learn that he does at the end of the book, or that's the end of the joke there. So. <laughs> yes. And they essentially uh, 
Kelvin says, hey, down here, they've introduced more rockets going up, so I only will be able to smuggle stuff onto half of them. So I'd like to bring in a third person to our operation so he can, you know, run the other shift and, and so we can keep up our rate of smuggling, essentially. Yes. Yep. And that's that's where that ends. Okay. Uh, chapter eight starts with her. Um, uh, she is trying to meet Rudy or she tells Rudy that there is a, you know, a, been a, a murder probably. And he says, stay there. And she also says nope to him. <laughs> so oh, that's a hard thing to turn off. And upon noping on out of there, she decides that she's going to go to Alan's pantry, <laughs> which is a upscale place, despite the fact that it sells junk food and kitschy souvenirs. And I just took a moment to imagine, you know, the, the factory in China where they're assembling like the moon snow globes and stuff. And just being like, God, we're just making this stuff to send to the moon. Like, <laughs> and, and just sort of what the economics are of that operation. I wonder, I've always wondered that about like when you go into one of those, a tourist trap store or something and just, you know, garbage from China. The people making it who are like sitting in a factory for 14 hours a day or whatever, do they ever stop to go imagine the transaction of the person <laughs> buying it? Or are they just trying to get through life? I, you know what I mean? Like, I just, I wonder if they go like, idiot. And if they, you know, they throw the next snow globe. Here's one for you, dick. You know, like. <laughs> I mean, you know, back in the, uh, you know, early days of before Rift Tracks even, when I was sending DVDs out of the Legend Films uh, offices. Sure. And you'd get someone who would order like, you know, 12 DVDs of the old Shirley Temple show. Like, Shirley the Temple does Winnie the Pooh. And I would, you know, box that up. And even the people there were like, oh, this is really bad. Like, this is not Shirley's finest moment. Like, uh, and you packed it up and just be like, I wonder who this is for. So, I mean, every now and then, I bet they wonder who the, uh, you know, Dollywood snow globe is for. Well, I do like that you coined the phrase Shirley the Temple in that little story. (laughs) Uh, That's a good one. I like that one. Jimmy Durante the Gangster and Shirley the (laughs) Temple. Uh, uh, This is another moment where I wondered about the editor. Uh, The clerk says, uh, can I help you, madam? Asked the clerk. He wore a three-piece suit. Who the hell wears formal clothes at a convenience store? I shook it off. No time to be judgmental. Just a great journey to be taken on in a in in four sentences there. <laughs> this is also a tick of his. He's done that before, where he has his character just like dump on someone and then go, "Oh, but I'm who am I to judge?" Yes, or, but yeah, I mean it's dumping on him, but it's also just filling us in on a detail that's worthless. Like the, she's he's obviously going to leave the store within seconds, but uh, you know this uh, three piece suit clerk is. I mean, I guess he's trying to world build. I guess so. I don't know where this is. Maybe I'm jumping ahead, um, but uh, I'll, I'll read this anyway. And uh, language warning with all this stuff. Okay. I'm just reading it on. I'm in deep shit, Kelvin. I'll explain later. Oh, wait. Did I put the bottom of the Kelvin? If he's talking to Kelvin. No, wait. Is Kelvin uh, calling her? Oh, yeah. She, he, she calls Kelvin on the phone. Um, okay. So I'm in the right place. Yes. Sorry. All of a sudden I saw Kelvin. I'm like, oh, those are letters. Uh, I'll explain later, but I have to make an alias right fucking now. I need your help. I stormed through the connector, cursing the god-awful communication latency. Damn it, lag. Lag, wow. The famous, famous lag. Another data point. Yeah. This was written by (laughs) Ernest Klein. Damn it, Kelvin. Why can't you move somewhere with better internet like Columbus, Ohio? (laughs) I'm not familiar with Columbus, Ohio. I live in Kenya, and uh, yeah, I have obviously have reinforced that I have a family that I'm supporting. So, 
Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, they say it's a four second uh, lag, I think, uh, forever after saying everything. It would be maddening. That's huge. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she, uh, she goes on to, uh, um, she bought all that junk food, I guess, so she can hide out somewhere. But then she's going to um, get an alias. Uh, oh, she, uh, maybe Kelvin helped her set this up. She ran to the main cor- concourse of Bean Ground. Yes. The, the nearest yeah. hotel was called the Moonrise Inn. Pretty stupid name, if you think about it. Artemis is the only city in existence that can't see a moonrise. And so maybe you should get deported. You really don't seem to like it here. No. You, you <laughs> criticize just about everything. Like <laughs> You hate the tourists. You uh you talk constantly about the 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 sex trade just must be amazing there. Like and your sex reputation, you you know the, Yeah, your reputation is garbage. Yeah, you're pretty much Hester Prynne, so uh not sure. No one likes you. Your or best friend, you. yeah, you've you stole your man. Like it's <laughs> awful. Um, so, but who knows? Maybe, maybe that will end up happening. Um, and then it, so she goes, this, this was very confusing to me. She's getting the gizmo that I guess Kelvin helped her set up. But she says, just as I had done with Nuha Nijem, I picked up a hotel gizmo for Harpreet Singh. An Arab looks the same as an Indian to clueless hotel clerks. But she's not wearing a, a hijab and niqab, is she this time? No, she just walked, she just walked into a hotel, and the guy's like, "Oh, hey, Jazz, remember me from uh, you know band camp?" And she's like, "No, I'm Harpreet Singh." <laughs> yes. Like uh, it was very confusing, confusing to me. I didn't. Uh, <laughs> it was, and then she's also on the uh, on the surveillance. Anyway, not worth not worth. Oh, also drive by uh, to on uh, clueless hotel clerks. <laughs> like I, 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 I can tell the I, I don't know. I yeah, mean, we're, we're in one of the seemingly one of the more international communities that's ever existed in the world. Like I we're actually, pretty... uh, yeah, I, I read in the evenings about different cultures. I have to greet them all the time. Yes, so. I try to better myself. What do you do yeah. with your evenings? Jeez. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that's interesting. But um, it, it, we get a little uh, news article that says there's been only. Five other murders in the history of the moon, and it's the first double homicide. So that's a uh, interesting data point. Yes, and um, let's see. The article went on, but I didn't want to read anymore. I put the gizmo on the cold floor, huddled in the corner, hugged my knees and buried my face, and uh, and started to cry. And then this is what she says about Tron. Um, you know, and I'm like, oh, well, this is nice. And then it was kind of a, what, huh? <laughs> Tron was a good guy. Okay, that's nice. Maybe a little underhanded, and he wore that stupid bathrobe everywhere, but he was a good guy. Again, that's that's nice. And a good dad. Oh, sweet. God, who was going to take care of Lean or Leany? I don't know. Mutilated in a car crash as a kid and then orphaned at age 16. Jesus, what a shitty draw. Sure, she had money, but fuck. <laughs> All right. That, well, <laughs> Took a little bit of a turn there. <laughs> sure. Sometimes he's a you wonderful, know, warm human being. But fuck. <laughs> you know, sometimes you start something and uh, don't really know where you're going to finish by the time you start saying it. But when you're writing, you know, you can always go back and, and edit that if you choose to. But, that is true. <laughs> uh, it goes on to have another moment like that where uh sort of has a discussion with herself that I'm, I'm glad we got to be there for the ride for. She says... uh I assumed the amnesty for ratting out Trond offer was off the table. Trond was dead. So if I went to Rudy, I would A, 
give him all the evidence he needed to get me deported, and B, not help him solve the murders at all. No, fuck that. All right, yes. good. Glad we had a discussion here. It's good to, good to suss that out. <laughs> I once had an editor tell me I had a list in something, and it was like a short piece, and I, I wrote a list. Mm-hmm. And uh, my editor goes, oh, lists, those are funny. <laughs> like, like, no, Devastating. This one, <laughs> this one is. He's like, reconsider. I'm like, okay. Lord, with the, the book that we talked about that we just finished this weekend, Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, Lauren would just, it was nails on chalkboard anytime there were lists, of which there were plenty. And she would just, you know, we would, I'd be driving and she'd just be like, list! <laughs> As they went through a... <laughs> It was, a, it was a stylistic device that uh, we did not agree with. But um, speaking of stylistic devices, I sniffled back the last of my tears and cleared my throat. Then I called Dad's number through a local proxy service. So that's uh, probably a service one of those local websites also uses, I would say. <laughs> oh, yeah. What was the, um, in uh, Ready Player One, the, the different levels of going into a chat window inside oh. of like the game? Chat room, chat link, chat window. Yes, it was all. Yeah, was... so this sounds like one of those kind of. Yes. <laughs> it's also something that you're evidently able to just, uh, you know, access upon upon needing them. So the uh, you'd think that the, the, the moon mountie might be tapping into those but evidently not it's <laughs> well at least you know she's uh making amends with her with her father here mm-hmm. um they, they have like a short phone call that ends like which is nothing it's just <laughs> yeah it sort of says i'm alive but I, I i can't do anything i can't see you yeah and so she says uh rudy's gonna take care of it right like just let rudy solve this this murder and uh, then about him, she says, sure, he cared more about murder than my smuggling operation. And I'd be a lot safer if I just came clean. He might be an asshole, but he was a good cop. He'd do everything he could to protect me. Who the hell is Rudy? <laughs> Who is this character? <laughs> He's a good cop. She loathes him. Wants, she wants to, to bang him. him. But I, what is this? <laughs> it's the second time that in as many comments as she said he's a good guy he sucked big time and i hated him but you know <laughs> make up your mind like i guess you can yeah being a good cop doesn't preclude him from being a, a jerk to her but whatever oh, wow not to be judgmental but uh... <laughs> here's a question and i this is a hundred percent ignorance it stuck out to me but maybe i am i am i'm not as wise as that hotel clerk that reads up on these things in his spare time uh jazz's father is saying you, you. I guess it's his voice had risen a full octave, so he's saying, "You come yeah. home right now, Jasmine." And then he says, <laughs> "For the love of Allah, don't tangle with murderers." And I just don't. Is that something people actually say? It didn't turn up a lot of results. Uh, of I, people saying that I circled like that say, too. You know, like Chris Farley saying, "For the love of God, let the boy <laughs> sleep in the." But so it just. And every time I say let us know, like too many people write in let us know, but it, it struck me as something that might be a little joke by him. I felt the exact same way, but I didn't explore it okay. online. Got but it. I, th- I thought it does not strike me. That's I don't think real thing. using the name in vain like that yes, is something true. they do. Yes, but, yes. Uh, For the guy who's installing his uh, you know, custom prayer rug. Yeah, to anti-gravity prayer rug, yeah. Sure. Um, how about this? Uh, this was sort of a, a waha kind of moment to me. I woke up the next morning with cramped legs and a sore back. That's the thing about crying yourself to sleep. When you wake up, the problems are still there. 
Sure. Wait, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Not worth dwelling on, but it just uh, you know, sounds more profound than it actually is if you examine it for half a second. Uh, she's eating. Uh, she's eating gunk and trying to figure out what's going on. So she says this. Um, I knew where to start. Jin Chu. He was the guy at Tron's house the day I delivered the cigars. <laughs> he was from Hong Kong. He had a box labeled Zaffo, and he tried to hide it from me. That's all I had. That's incredible. <laughs> it's like a, uh, I mean, it's like Wikipedia almost, but I, I, I was personally glad they reminded us in such elementary school detail who he was, because I had forgotten, but uh, it's not a very, it's not very elegant or... Uh, gracious to your readers in terms of their intelligence but it's it's very funny that like um what's the only thing that hasn't been that was brought up before that hasn't been mentioned again why it's jin chu <laughs> so that must be the solution <laughs> like yep in the world of this book that is 100 percent true yes. but in any other book you would never you know dashel hammett you know there's a whole world you'd have to think about you know you would not like but remember that saucy bartender I met that one night after that dame got killed? Mm -hmm. It must be him. Like, no, he's one of like a thousand people that you've run across. Right. Nope. This was just a guy who, uh, you know, tried to hide, you know, behind his back what he was delivering to someone in the most suspicious way possible. Zaffo. Yeah. Well, we get clarification on that. Uh, oh, for sure. Down. I like that she says... Uh, uh, I poked around online, but I couldn't find anything about him. Whoever he was, he kept a low profile, or he'd come to Artemis under an alias. Well, that sounds... its You've made it clear that that's insanely easy to do, so it was probably that, right? <laughs> yes. Like You've gotten two aliases in the first eight chapters of this book. Plus, you're only checking the local websites. You should True. probably branch out True. as you look for this guy. <laughs> Uh, but so she, she is hiding out in a nook somewhere, and uh, but she decides to, to head on out, and here we go. She, oh, boy. She is. Uh, this is uh, actually, I'm sure you have it, but this um, whole little subsection here, I thought that it would be good to have uh, Dom DeMillo read it. <laughs> is the buying of the, the thing? Yes. Yeah, the secondhand uh, the, shop. And the, I hit a secondhand shop? Yes. Yes, I have that all written down. Yeah. <laughs> So Don DeMillo yeah. is, uh, I, uh, I hit a secondhand shop in Conrad and bought the hell out of an outfit, a bright red miniskirt so short you can almost call it a belt, a sequin top that exposed my midriff, a little something for the <laughs> fellas there, and the tallest heels I could find. I, I topped it off with a large red patent leather handbag, then off to a hair salon for a quick updo, and voila, I was now a Floozy. The girls at the salon rolled their eyes at me as I checked myself out in the mirror. The transformation was disturbingly easy. Sure, I have a nice body, but I wish it had been a little more effort to become so trashy. So, there you go. A little something for daddy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, that's pretty much uh, what you, you could you could imagine uh, Andy Daly transposed onto the flat cap guy. Oh, uh, absolutely, Andy yes. Andy and Andy. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's uh, that's how that's how I interpreted that section of just like, oh yeah, this is now she's now she's getting now she's not that now that nice body is becoming trashy. Oh yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did. Uh, I just also wrote the note like, ladies, accurate. <laughs> is this? <laughs> This is how it works. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's like a you know reverse pretty woman scenario type of thing, or uh, 
Yeah, uh, you know, uh, Sandra Bullock in uh, Miss Congeniality being like, oh, wow, like this uh, this normal just one of the guys thing became very hot so easily. That's that's stunning. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> she took her glasses off and her hair came down. She's hot. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, I think that was what he meant to do. Like, you know, when she said she was earlier going to do this, she's now, you know, the, he just got he, he copied to paste this because it's a little separated by two uh, like M dashes into this thing. So I think he just pasted it into the wrong section. She was supposed to be uh, a floozy as she went to the murder scene or something. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. I was very confused by that. Yeah. Huh. Um, but uh, then she she goes on to uh, to do some more Columboing. Uh, as she uh, tries to suss out where uh, Jin Chu might be. (laughs) (laughs) She says, I see this all the time. Uh, Tourists love to sample our local cuisine. Problem is, our cuisine sucks. It's made of algae and artificial flavors. Within a few days, the Americans want pizza, the French want wine, and the Japanese want rice. Food makes you comfortable. It's how you recenter. Jin Chu was from Hong Kong. He'd eventually want proper Cantonese food. So that's uh, well done. <laughs> well done, Snoop sister. Uh, and it finishes with this, which I have to admit, you know, if you say, like, did the book make you laugh? Yes, the stupidity of this made me laugh. <laughs> so we had an important travel-savvy guy from Hong Kong who'd want home cooking. One establishment fit the bill perfectly. The Canton Artemis. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, did you really even have to think that through? How many people are there on the moon? Yeah, 2,000. And there still there manages to be a luxury five-star hotel catering to the Chinese elite owned and operated by Hong Kong business outfit interests. So what percentage of the 2,000 people does this employ? You think about going to like the, you know, the White Lotus where there's a staff, you know, who will fold your napkin when you get up from the table? It's a gigantic operation, so that's you know that's like oh god, we gotta hope the Chinese tourism continues because if the, uh, the the you know the Canton Artemis goes away, that's like just a huge hit to our to our economy. <laughs> <laughs> and it is again, like you said, the uh, the Dashiell Hammett world, where all these pieces you would have to refer back to every time something needs to come along for the thing. They mention it for the first time and say, "Well, it must yes. have been that." <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. That's yeah, just good writing. And then she. Uh... Here again is that, uh, you know, the attention to detail, really getting inside a, a, a character and a place and really setting the stage and, and then just crackling prose. Uh, she she goes as a whore to the, uh, <laughs> to the Canton Hotel. An old Asian lady manned the concierge desk. So there you go. There's that. <laughs> Does that paint a picture for you? It did, yeah. <laughs> Especially once you consider that, you know, it's a, uh, it says owned and operated by Hong Kong business interests. It's like, do you think that maybe she's, you could even just say she's Chinese. You could narrow it down there. I guess she said you couldn't tell the difference between an Indian and a Saudi Arabian. But uh, Oh, just it's the subtlety and really, really getting below the surface. Yeah, but he, and, does, I, he does show respect here because he says uh, she walks up and, uh, you know, is dressed like a floozy. And it says, the concierge gave me a look that told me I defended her and her great ancestors. <laughs> Which is, so she's, wow. I mean, it's, that's going into like, what was the, the detergent from the 70s? The, uh, the oh, ancient, ancient Chinese, Chinese secret. secret, huh? That's bordering on that. Yeah, like, <laughs> wow. hachi machi. Um, but then uh, the says that, uh, it just struck me as very funny that the whole sex talk, the whole sex worker thing from the first, you know, six chapters that we thought was, you know, really laid on thick existed just to justify this. 
Yes. You know, it says hotels like the Canton won't contact a guest just because someone claimed to be meeting them. But rules get bent when sex is involved. <laughs> it's like, I don't think that would even be the case unless this is actually like a brothel. Like, cause like it seems like it's even less than a reason to like, uh, you have a five-star business from Hong Kong that's like, hey, you know, uh, guy who owns AliExpress, there's a, uh, a hooker outside that wants your hotel room. It's like, how dare you? Like, <laughs> we have I, we have secret floors to protect people like me. We don't, you don't just let up someone because they smeared on lipstick. <laughs> right, yeah. We're going to, you know, one of the moons of Mars to do the horrible stuff that we're into, like, since it's evidently illegal here. But, uh, you know, please do not send any more prostitutes to my room. <laughs> uh, and this, and then it becomes truly incredible. I think... We had remarked that it seems sort of like this, like a like a '90s Sierra adventure game, but it becomes full out Leisure Suit Larry here. She's you know had to dress up like a prostitute, and uh, then uh, has the uh, um, the uh, ancient Chinese secret lady look up uh, his room, and she says, "There's no answer," and uh, she says, "Like he still has to pay me, um, whatever." And she leaves, and she says. Um, the lipstick adjustment earlier, had it just been for show, I'd placed the compact so I could see the concierge's computer screen in the mirror when she Ugh. looked up at Jinchu and popped up his room number 124, which is, I think, just incredible. Because uh, that would be like, you know, use lipstick compact on monitor and like, because the little points uh, thing as the character does it and pulls it back and tucks it right behind her back as the, uh, as the um, Chinese lady looks back at her. But I think right. that's great. <laughs> And then uh, she goes up and talks to the uh, NPC that is the bartender at the, <laughs> Yep. what can I get you? <laughs> yeah, clicks on, uh, you know, you know something from the rail? No, that clicks on the expensive stuff. Okay, have you got Balmore's 15-year single malt? Indeed we do, ma'am. And he, he warns her how much money it is for a two-ounce pour and then promptly uh, gets it, tips it, and then pours a little out on the floor for Trond. Have you ever tried to pour... Like a little bit out of a small glass, like it's it's very difficult to uh, to not pour the entire thing out. So it's uh... especially as the uh, crisp white shirted uh, hotel lobby bartender staring right at you. Like what what are you doing? <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm just um, pouring this out like a a forty, uh, you know, for my for my guy who got shot. I'd say uh, do, uh, you do not do that here. Even though please you're... don't do that. You are, you are of course now barred. Yes. Uh, we have facial recognition. You'll never be back here again. No, I'm ha ha preet Singh. I uh... I can tell the difference between an Indian and an Arab. And uh... <laughs> uh, well, speaking of uh, you know everything that this book has been building towards, Leisure Suit Larry games, uh, incredible Ready Player One references. She's wondering how she's finally going to get into the. Uh, elevator oh, yes. a huge guy oh, yeah, guarding yeah, yeah. it um you, you want to share oh uh, well this has just struck me again you know we've we've written it down many times glad to see that this <laughs> is still a thing on the moon in 2081 did we determine this uh it? yeah it's unclear but yeah it's just it's 2080s okay here we go um he wasn't likely to fall for bullshit maybe i could find some tall or fat and literally hot someone sorry tall or fat and literally hide behind them Hmm, that seemed a little too Buster Keaton to actually work. Buster, Buster Keaton. Perfect. Star of the 1900s and 20s, maybe into the 30s. I know he lived long and he was in movies in the 50s, so don't get on me. I know that. But 
that was his prime was the 20s and 30s so mm. uh yeah. On the moon, still, uh, still a big, a big thing. Not even then, just, uh, you know, to Kelvin, who's you know a, a sort of a square, a nerd. All, he could be just like, I'm sending you a link to the funny movies I've been watching. They're they might seem a little old, and it's hard to watch something black and white. But trust me, give this Buster Keaton a thing, and you know, uh, see if you like it. And she's like, All right, I didn't like it at first, but it, you know, it was pretty impressive. He did all that stuff without CGI. The easiest way to justify stuff like that, you know. <laughs> I have a friend back on Earth who's obsessed with the Earth culture of the you know, the 20th century, but not even uh, not even the, the barest effort. Yeah, there's a I I know a a young fella who's in a, a a pretty popular local band. He's a drummer, and uh, once he came up to me, um, I know him from our church, and he goes, uh, "Hey, I uh, I've been watching a lot of uh, the Marx Brothers lately. Really loving this stuff." And I mean, you know, he's in his 20s or right. whatever. I'm like, Marx Brothers, how? <laughs> It's like I don't know you. I heard you mention it one time, so I started watching it. <laughs> it just struck me as very funny. This, you know, a drummer for a very hot band sitting at home at night, like watching Duck Soup. Right, but I mean, there's also a personality type that you know I very much had as a young person, where it's like you you realize that there's some sort of canon, and like you you for whatever whoever's agreed on that that you're reading, you know, Rolling Stone magazine when I was 16. It's like, here's the best albums, here's the best movies, the AFI list. And you're like, well, I want to be in on this, so I'm going to seek out these things. So it's a legitimate way of framing stuff. Jazz has not exhibited a single no, bit of curiosity no, no. or like desire to you know, fit in or better herself. So it's a... Uh... Not at all. She, and she seems like a very, very, very shallow you know, garbage person yes, for the most part. True, yes. There's nothing. I wrote, at some point in time, I have something like, if, any, if anyone is still rooting for her, I think it was when she bought all those snacks and was like, you know, the bag I stuffed them all into had the moon on it. Real fucking original. It's like, if you're still, <laughs> if you're still rooting for this person, please let me know. And I know you don't have to root for protagonists. You know, the succession finale airs this weekend, and I, I hope people go to prison or die. Um, right. But, like, you at least, that's not, I don't think, what he's going for here. He's supposed to, she's, you know, she's sassy. Like, she's not yeah. evil. Right. In his mind. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, at the bar, though, she is... Uh, once again, this is, uh, I think you've, I think she, she or he really paints a picture here with a sensitive and, again, crackling prose. I felt a tap on my shoulder. An Asian man in his mid-50s sat next to me. He wore a three-piece suit and an ugly comb over. And then he propositions her and she, yes. you know, pretends to take him up on it. So. Yeah, I, she hates every so, single tourist. It does seem like she needs a change of scenery, I think. That would do her well. An Asian man. Now, you are at the Canton Express or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> I, I don't know. It just, uh, that one kind of made me tug at my collar. Like, uh, come on. Right. Hey, I mean, I, I guess if uh, you're not necessarily a evil guy, if you're going to the moon for sex trafficking, it's just, uh, it's what people do. And she's made it clear that that's accepted. So there's no judgment on this man that she's clearly judging. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think we did this real fanfic. We didn't, you know, didn't realize the the stakes of what was going on here. But I think it, I don't know if it ended with this thing. She says she stood up from the bar and downed my Balmore. I assume everyone in Scotland gasped in psychic pain. You just poured some of it on the floor, so I don't. <laughs> yes. I guess they're probably happier that you're drinking it. Um, and then uh, the sort of Sierra game, Laser Suit Larry stuff continues because she uh, she uh, just goes up to the room and just says, uh, "How is she going to get out of this?" You know, having having sex with this man for money 
And what does she do? Uh, she fakes a phone call. She says, sorry, I have to make a call. She points at the gizmo for emphasis. I held up my gizmo at every ear. Rocky. Yeah, it's candy. I'm with a customer. What? Oh, no, she didn't. I closed Grandpa's room door so I could talk to my pimp in private. He'd probably wait a good 15 minutes before he figured out I left. Sure, I was ditching a horny businessman, but I hadn't taken his money. I was eth- I was ethically in the clear. Our hero. <sighs> I just... Again, the teacher circling with the thick grease pen. Rocco, candy, you can do better. This is not... You can't do this. Right. You know, just... Uh... Do the uh, do the improv exercise like uh, pimp names go like name seven of them go around okay prostitute names go don't use the first one you go down the list <laughs> make it a little cleverer I don't know but then she uh, to end the chapter she she slinks on over to room one twenty four uh, looks left and right as you do when you're sneaking around in a uh, in a cliche movie and then she uh, um, <laughs> pulls a screwdriver from my gaudy purse and jimmied the lock. So piece of cake. I thought she was going to take a business card and, you know, do that thing where she slides it down. But then, uh, uh, but, but kids, by the way, jimmying, huh? Jimmying locks. <laughs> we all know what that means. Yeah. In the, uh, in the hotel that had, you know, a guy stationed at the elevator um, to five star um, security for the discreetness of everything that's going on. Um, yes. Jimmyable locks. Um yeah, but then she, when she opens the door, a grizzled Latino man sat on the bed, his right arm in a sling. He gripped a Bowie knife in his left hand. And so, you know, it's this, like the second most disturbing thing to encounter after that uh, guy in the bear costume in The Shining and the businessman. If you're, <laughs> if you're ducking into a room. I'm surprised. I'm, you know, I'm frankly shocked he didn't send him into room 237 or something like That's that. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> room 237. Oh, The Shining Room. What a coincidence. Ah, Klein, <laughs> you crafty son of a gun. Uh, that's the uh, end of that chapter. Uh, well, except for the the brief oh, the letters, letter, yes, with uh, with Kelvin. Kelvin, yeah. Oh, they're they're doing uh, yeah, they're doing a, a thing of selling smuggling foam insulant. <laughs> you know those foam sprays that expand. Yes. So I guess at cheap places you can fill in the cracks, then you get a little bit of quiet. Okay. And so that, so they're making a uh, killing on that. And then he says, like, I've got a, you know, I've got our third. Yeah, our third so, we're going to cut in. So let me, let me, you know, can I do it? And, and that's all it is. It's like, sure, go ahead and send me two cases of foam insulin. Yeah, this is interesting. Um, th- someone pointed this out. I didn't notice it because it was fairly subtle. Um, he says, dear Jazz, glad to hear about the sales of the foam insulin. We're making a killing. I'll send another two cases in the next probe. So keep that in mind. Uh, more email, blah, blah, blah. But then she says, Dear Kelvin, make it two cases of foam insulin. <laughs> what does that mean? Is it to error? I'll send two cases in the next probe. Make it two cases. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what it's uh, I know there's a four-second lag, but are you all right? <laughs> <laughs> you head injury, okay? Maybe it's just because she's hung up because she says, uh, Tyler and I are done. I don't want to talk about it. End of email. So whatever just had happened, she uh, she caught him uh, with Dale or whatever. And so maybe that's why she's so shaken that she says, make it two cases when he clearly said, I'm going to send you two cases. Oh, yes. I suppose we've all had emails where we, you know, say the same thing or the opposite yeah. of what we, you know, like, come on. Hey, yeah. man, pay attention. Jez has to, per my last email her, Yes. Just resender the email with no comment. 
I said two. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that's the end of chapter eight. That's halfway. So I think that's just about the right time to do some real or fanfic. Oh, boy. Fanfic. All right, so this is real or fanfic, uh, the segment where we're going to quiz Mike on whether these next five sections are from later in Artemis, real sections, or fanfic written by our beloved Patreon supporters, the Jackals, over at patreon.com slash 372 pages. We watched Forrest Gump with them last week, as promised, because we hit a 1,000 supporters. It was, uh, I mean, what's your what's your two-sentence two review of, of that experience? Yeah. <laughs> It is everything I thought it would be, which I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> yeah, not a lot of surprises, I would say. I mean, uh, you know, a, a competent, um, you know, executed well movie, you know, uh, for, for the 90s. Good acting. and But just, uh, you know, the, the, if, you, if you were around in the 90s, you saw a lot of parodies and quotes about it. And uh, that, that, that stands in pretty well, I think, for you needing to see the movie. I will. It, it uh, reignited my uh, my rage over once I a friend and I were on the, it was in San Diego on the beach, and I just said, "Hey, I've been you know, I've been sprinting a lot, so I'm going to sprint down the beach." He goes, "I'll sprint with you," and so we ran down the beach, you know, just sprinted as fast as we could, and a bunch of people started yelling, "Run, Forest, run!" <laughs> and I was enraged, like I'm having yeah. a like a I'm a, a foot race with my friend, like it's intense. Run for us, run! I was just like, I like I had to do the half stop and the arms out. Like, what? Do you, what? What are you doing? Yeah, uh, having never seen it, and and now I hate it even more. Like, it doesn't make it better now that I've seen it and understand it. You turned around and you started like walking towards those people aggressively, and they go, "Nope, nope, 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 nope." nope. nope. <laughs> they turned on their heels and went away. Uh, uh, yeah, but it's, uh, you should go over there and check that out. We posted the audio if you're crazy enough to try to sync that up, but, uh, yeah, we appreciate everybody. You get every episode a week early. It's a lot of fun. Please check it out. Uh, here's the five sections. Here's number one. Jazz, get down from there, Dale said. What is it you hope to accomplish? He had a point. I was sitting on a glorified tractor in the middle of the most remote location in all of civilization. What could I hope to accomplish? But I had an ace in the hole. I opened my EVA's radio to the broadest frequency band. I was still facing Dale, but everyone could hear me now. All right, listen up, dicks. This is the last functioning harvester on the moon. See this shiny red button? Of course, no one, Dale, could see it. There was a ra- this was a radio transmission, after all. It painted a vivid picture, though. When I press it, myself, this harvester, the entire city's oxygen su- supply go bye-bye. She's not kidding, people, Dale said. A chorus of voices broke out on that open frequency with comments raising from terrorist to brown asshole to the classic that bitch. Fear really brought out the worst in people. In reality, the contraption was an assembly of spare parts from Svoboda's lab I'd thrown together. Real-life bombs don't tend to have rig- big red buttons. That's only in the movies. Wow, that's good. What was the uh, slurs that were thrown uh, out there? Terrorist, brown? brown asshole, and the classic that bitch. Brown asshole is an interesting one. Yeah, it's doubly unfortunate on several levels. Very, very unfortunate. Um, I I don't know. I'm going to say real. Okay. Number two. Fuck. Make that holy fuck. Make that goddamn holy fuck. For those of you who have never experienced the pull of six times your normal gravity, 
and I'm thinking that's most of you, it's hard to put it into words. Consider giving a piggyback ride to William Taft, who in turn is giving a piggyback ride to Louis Anderson. That might get you halfway there, but the short of it is, it sucks ass. There was no way I was getting to my feet. Not yet. The best I could do was prop myself up on my hands and knees. Not exactly the look I was going for as a first impression, but it beat laying flat on the floor. The door opened and in walked the man who was going to smuggle me back to the moon. Hello, Jazz, Kelvin said. It is such a pleasure to finally meet face to face. Welcome to Kenya. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it's brilliant, but I have to say fanfic. (laughs) All right. Number three. I crawled back into my hiding place and sealed the panel behind me. I curled up into a ball in the dark. I was so goddamn tired I should have fallen asleep right then. But I couldn't. It all caught up with me. Constant danger, poverty, anger, and worst of all, sheer unmitigated fatigue. I'd gone beyond sleepy into what my father used to call overtired. He usually used that term while chucking my cranky eight-year-old ass into my bunk for a forced nap. I tossed and turned as much as I could in the cramped confines. No position was comfortable. I wanted to pass out and punch someone at the same time. I couldn't think straight. I had to get out of there. I kicked open the panel. Who gives a fuck if someone sees me? I didn't. Where now, I mumbled to myself. I felt a wet droplet hit my arm. I looked to the ceiling. The frigid air of being down 27 often made condensation points. Water surface tension versus lunar gravity made a bunch, meant a bunch of it had to build up before it started dripping. But I didn't see anything above me. Then I touched my face with my hand. Oh, God damn it. The source of the water was me. I was crying. <laughs> mm. God, these are hard. Um, uh, coin flip uh, fanfic. Okay. Uh, number four. Secured in the suit, I sprinted into the antechamber and slammed the first door shut. I spun the airlock wheel as if my life depended on it, and the barren lunar landscape greeted me as the door slowly slid open. I hit the surface at a run, my strides long and bounding in the low gravity. A few seconds later, Dale exited the airlock. Despite my head start, he was gaining on me, fast. I jumped over the rope fence and made a break for the landing site. As I gazed over my shoulder, I saw Dale rip one of the fence posts from the regolith and brandish it like a sword. Don't make me do this, Jazz. Tell me where Tron left the evidence and we can all go home, he said into the comms as he slowly advanced towards me. Shit. One nick in my EVA suit and I was as good as dead. The only way I was getting out of this is if I made myself as unappealing a target as possible. Good old mutual assured destruction. As I cast about for anything I could use to fend him off, a white glimmer next to my boot caught my eye. I bent down and pulled, and 100 years of lunar dust fell fell away to reveal red, white, and blue. I gripped the Apollo mission flagpole with both hands and settled into my best impression of a fighting stance. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was set up, so it's clever either way. (laughs) Uh, But I'll say fanfic. Okay. And the final one, number five. While pondering that particular conundrum, my gizmo buzzed. Svoboda was calling. Talk to me, Svoboda. Any word on Rudy? Quite a bit, actually. Remember that, re- remember that bottle you recovered from his trash? I took a swab from the rim and sent it to Dubček, a geneticist friend of mine. And you're never going to believe what came back. Let me guess. He's 20% Northern European, 10% Native American, and 70% asshole. 
Very, <laughs> very funny, Jazz. No, I ran my DNA results versus the buccal swab Rudy took when he immigrated, and they don't match. This Rudy guy isn't who he claims to be. The revelation threw me for a loop. Then who is he really? As far as I can tell, his name is Ernest Belgrano. Burned in Buffalo, New York, worked 15 years as a mercenary before seemingly falling off the face of the earth. Looks like the falling off the face of the earth part was more literal than anyone realized. So, he's not really a Mountie? Jazz, he's never even been to Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's very good, too. I'm going to roll the dice and say that's fanfic as well. I don't feel good about this this week. Well, they're incredibly tricky. I feel like he's got a very uh, easy-to-imitate style just because it's so cliche. I don't know. Like it's, it's... Yeah, put yourself in the mind of a, a 10-year-old writing a joke or anything, and yeah, you're fine. Yeah, some yeah. swears and some... Uh, all right, well, let's go through. I do think this was a tricky one. Uh, number one was uh, bombs with the big red button, people shouting uh, slurs at her. Um, you suggested this was real, and that was fanfic, unfortunately. Damn. Submitted by Damn. Matt. Submitted by Matt. Um, number two. Uh, so this was, oh, this was uh, her ending up in Kenya, piggyback ride to Taft, who's giving one to Louis Anderson. Um, you said fanfic, and that was fanfic by Mike T., uh that one i just wanted i thought that was pretty funny um and uh, so i thought it was hard that's on point exactly it It was the sort of thing where if you said it was real you'd be like yeah no but (laughs) we've had those happen uh number three this was oh this was when she realized she was she felt her face uh realized she was crying um and uh you said fanfic but this was real uh, oh, from God. submitted because the uh, chap submitted it said he thought it was particularly Kleiny and in terms of her uh, not realizing what her face was doing. <laughs> and I, I almost myself crying. I almost know. scrapped this on the fly because she she was crying earlier, right in the uh, in, yes in, in her nook. Like um, so, I was like, well, that's oh, why I thought it was fanfic. <laughs> uh, so that is what you are one for three. I am one for three. Okay, and number four is, uh, oh, picking up the Apollo flag and brandishing at Dale. You said fanfic. That was fanfic submitted by John. Submitted by John. Yeah. Okay. Uh, But yeah, pretty nicely set up for later. I don't know. I feel maybe if it had been Rudy, would that have helped more if she was going after him? Dale turns on her. Anyway, yes. uh, they're going uh, amok time on uh, on the moon. <laughs> yes. uh, a reference I'm sure Jazz would understand. Uh, oh, and sure. then finally, so that's two for four. Finally, the final one was uh, uh, Dubček. And uh, Rudy has never been to Canada. He's not Canadian. He's named Ernest Belgrano. You said fanfic. And that was fanfic. So mm. uh, submitted by Max. That's three for five. I didn't even pick up until that. But uh, Ernest Belgrano, a little Klein uh, nod there. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, if he was throwing in Gunt, uh, Gunter and stuff, that's yeah. not beyond him. It's called Artemis. I mean. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, three for five. That's not bad. <sighs> you know, yes. If I'm, I'm, if I'm a batter, I'm happy. Sure. If you were doing confidence wagers, you'd probably... Uh, have not put a lot of money on them, but let's see. <laughs> Keep them coming next time. It's the last one. Um, the, the, the last, uh, ne- last next episode will be the last opportunity for Artemis Reborn yes. fanfic. Yep. All right. Let's go to uh, chapter nine as she's encountering this uh, one-armed um, assassin in uh, room one twenty-four. 
And as she says herself, she doesn't uh, stand much of a chance against a you know armed, angry assassin. She says, I was just a helpless, exposed girl with no weapon. Why waste time? Just slip my throat. But she, uh, you know, also uh, has Matrix bullet time reflexes, which she neglects to mention. Um, they come in handy because he, he lashed at me with her knife, but she twisted out of the way. Um, what else does she do? She well, I'm, I'm going to, this is the prose. I'll, I'll finish it off. Okay. And I, I'm, I'm giving it an F minus because, wow. you know, very few action scenes, right? It's, it opened, I guess, with an action scene. Yep. Yeah. And, and I give that one a fire. C, sure. C minus. Yeah. yeah. Fire, maybe a C, certainly no higher than that. But I jerked my purse to my neck just in time to block his attack. His lightning fast strike slashed the purse open and the contents spilled out. That would have been my throat. He assumed I'd be halfway through dying after that assault, so he left himself a little open. That's just terrible. It I'm is, sorry. I'm, that's terrible. It is terrible. The contents spilled out. That's like a that would have workers. been my throat is a full... He assumed I'd be halfway through dying after that assault. Yeah, the last sentence really ties it together when she puts herself in his, uh, yes. his, in his mindset a, a quarter second after he's lunged at her with a knife. She's able to see his assumptions and know... Anyway, I just think it's awful. Yeah, and so he, he she, in, in the way she describes that, he does the knife slash, but then does the, you know, turn around and walk away from explosion type of thing, essentially being like... You know, he he's doing that by the time he's like halfway through slashing because he's assuming that her neck her neck contents are going to split spell out instead of her purse contents. I slashed something and things came out. Sure, it was a uh, screwdriver used to jimmy doors, but <laughs> that's what people have in their throats. So I'm turning away. <laughs> uh, but then she also uh, just pretty much like knocks him over and into the hallway because he wasn't expecting an attack or something like that. Um, So that's, uh, she just, what can't she do is essentially the way she gets out of here. (laughs) But in the process of all of this, because he had been slashed by Irina, I guess, in the murder. Yeah, Irina or Trond. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the the borscht woman. Uh, Because of that, he had, you know, was, he was down a wing, as they say. Uh And so she nicknames him. And I think this is, because she, he, she leans on this very heavily. And so get ready to laugh. Uh, she calls him Lefty. So, so that's um, that's what she uh, what she calls him and calls him that a lot. It's pretty so, good. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> just see, it makes you wonder what she was going to say to Irina when she didn't answer the door. We're left to puzzle. Uh, you know, the, the it's like Tenacious D forgetting the greatest song they ever wrote and having to rely on the tribute. We have to just. We're left to imagine the great what ifs of literature. Oh yeah, yes the uh, the Beatles were going to uh, wear masks and go on a bar tour. Oh, what if? What if you had just shown up at a Wisconsin bar and the Beatles played for you? We're left to imagine that. We are. Yes, I think it's quite similar. Peter Jackson's documentary about the writing of uh, Artemis. I'd watch all six hours. Of it. <laughs> I like this uh, too as well. She he's in the he's in the hallway. Uh, she's locked the door, uh, bolted it. Um, I guess it was good that the metal door and the deadbolt had not been locked because she couldn't have jimmied that. But he, uh, she says, 
Uh, a few other rooms opened up. Confused guests peeked at the action. Lefty hadn't exactly been quiet. He took stock of the situation and of the very large security guard. That wasn't something he could stab his way out of. He looked at the door longingly, then scampered off. <laughs> <laughs> so this uh, moon assassin is a scamperer. Yeah. <laughs> and I wondered, you know, where you scamper off to on the moon, um, just because it is a sort of a, a, she's found a place to hide. But it turns out that it's it's fairly easy. Uh, because she says to the security guard, uh, you know, are you all right, ma'am? Yeah, it was all just weird is all. Aren't you going after him? He had a knife. Best to let him go. <laughs> what? So, so that's a uh, that's the, the level of uh, security that the non-Mounties are, are giving you on the moon. A, a assault with a knife is carried out, but uh, we're, we're going to let him run. That really struck. Security guard? They live for... Like running after some dude with a knife? Yeah. I like you get to like pull out that baton that you'd never use a and taser? to wail on some dude. Yeah, it's like guys <laughs> at a baseball game when idiots run on the field. That's what, you know, you oh, only get yeah. one of those a year. Yeah, <laughs> get those zip ties around him and just wail on him. Yeah, he, 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 did, he did assault me with that knife. You know, he wasn't just keeping it around in case he got confronted by Crocodile Dundee or something. He did, he did use it to try to kill me. So right. there's a chance he does that again. He's already killed one person, two people. Oh, well, it's well, like in the movies where it's like uh, they're launching a rocket. Wait a second, we've got an alarm. N- ignore that. Like, well, why do we? Yes. Why do we have alarms or security guards here? That's <laughs> uh, probably a squirrel. <laughs> Stop it. Um, so, as you and I both know, in writing, there's only so many. You know, there's a word count. Like words are parsed out and slashed, and so uh, when you get something, you assume it's important and you pay attention because, I mean, you only have so many pages to explain your story so here you go yeah i was about to leave when i noticed the safe in the closet Mm. it's one of those things you don't even pay attention to the wall mounted safe had an electronic lock with instructions on how to set it pretty simple really it starts disarmed you put your shit in it then set the code it'll keep that code until you check out you just spent a paragraph <laughs> explaining hotel safes to us? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please remember, a hotel safe has an electronic lock. Ladies and gentlemen, please, please. It's pretty simple. Really, it starts this hard. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, I was enraged by that. Like, you, uh, come on, man. My life is short. Uh, you know, uh, hotel safes work. Pretty much something, yeah. If you've been in a hotel, you've you've learned this. Even if you haven't used it, you've probably taken the time to look at it and... Uh, and, and it hasn't changed uh, in 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 fifty years since we've gone to the moon, so it's good to know that it still works the same way. But nothing about the pros makes you go like, oh, okay. So you know, I've never looked at uh, you know, it's not like David Sedaris encounters an you know an electronic safe or <laughs> yeah, something. Right, like, yes. there's not like <laughs> a new angle of, on it. Yeah. Yes, arch like observations about it and. Uh, explanation it's just there you go here's how you run a hotel safe thought you might need that in the middle of this giant book yeah he doesn't even ask what the deal is with them or anything there's no observation (laughs) there's nothing new to take away um but you know if you thought it was um if you thought it was weird that you needed to over the top explanation the movie over the top literally uh about how hotel safes work this is what she gives you two paragraphs later when it says um when she's doing another leisure suit larry you know, under a killing moons type of adventure game thing. Brown dusty makeup clouded the air around the safe. I stepped back uh, and waited for it to clear up. 
Dust takes a long time to settle in Artemis. <laughs> Atmosphere plus low gravity equals particles taking forever to fall. So he might just assume that everyone who's reading the book has suffered a head injury or is, you know, frequently suffering them between chapters if he's, uh, you know, he's giving you the level of humor that you might appreciate at that level and also uh, explaining the gravity thing every single chapter. Was this written as a serial in a newspaper in the 1870s or something? <laughs> and he just was like, I don't know. What did I write last time? I don't have that laying around anymore. It wouldn't surprise. I mean, it's... wow. But then, uh, so the, the, what she did is she essentially uh, took her like makeup compact, uh, did the LeBron thing, threw the dust up in the air. And then when that dust cleared, uh, this you would quit the game at this point because you're like, this is so stupid. Um, there's a, a Gabriel Knight thing where you had to like get fur from a cat to make a f- fake mustache by like putting glue on a thing and scaring the cat. And it's like, this is the dumbest thing you've ever, but then this is like that. I had a good look at the keypad, a layer of makeup covered everything, but three of the buttons had more dust on them than the others. The zero, the one and the seven. Those are the ones with finger grease on them with the hotel, like the Canton. You could bet they cleaned everything in the room between guests. So those numbers had to be the digits Jin Chu chose for his combination. Incredible. <laughs> and then that's where we covered it in fanfic. But it again, yeah. the I'll, I'll have to read a little bit of it. Uh, he drank Turkish coffee while I had black tea. We talked about, aha, he was a Star Trek fan. I typed 1701. The safe clicked open. NCC 1701 was the registration number of the Starship Enterprise. How did I know that? I must have heard it somewhere. I don't forget stuff. Oh. <laughs> so that is that, that is just like, I'm not even going to bother, um, you know, that, that Kelvin is a, a Star Trek nerd or whatever. It's just blah, blah, blah. I wanted to make a joke and, you know, screw you if you're wondering why I know that. But it's also even more insane than it was when we read it in real fanfic, considering she'd just been almost murdered. Um you know, two seconds, 30 seconds before she makes that revelation. Right. Yes. You know, heart still beating. Uh, you know, we've all had, you know, extreme scare, you know, extremes yeah, in our life. Car like, crash or something. Yeah. God, I remember once a, a near car crash with my son and like uh, 10 minutes later, I couldn't stand. My legs were trembling. Wow. I had no control over my legs, you Jeez. know, because it was so close. And so I could see the face of the, you know, screaming person. He's like, ah, um, but yeah, she's just <laughs> cracking old Star Trek jokes. <laughs> you're thinking you're just like being like, I don't know, your life flash before your eyes. You're, you know, imagining your son's graduation, you know, things you would have missed if all this, if the worst had happened and then you pass a bike shop and you're like, oh, that reminds me of that different strokes where they went to the bike shop. <laughs> <laughs> that was wild. <laughs> Uh, so, all right. So after this, she goes to, uh, Svoboda, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I just thought he should probably settle down with his stuff as the author, Mr. Flatcap. I'd changed back into normal clothes, but I still had my whore do. I don't know. That just sounds a little. (laughs) Yeah. When you lay it all a little thick, it just, you know. Uh, there's probably a bunch of people out there who hope that there's no secret Google tracking of your uh, incognito tabs, but uh, the uh, the research for whore do is probably uh, <laughs> one that this guy is hoping never gets turned over. Uh, because he says uh, uh, he Svoboda sees her and uh, Svoboda, Svo- oh, she calls him Svobo. Yeah. 
Okay, but it is Foboda, I believe. Yeah, he notices that she has, he says, are those sparkles? You have sparkles in your hair? It's like, I don't know. That seems like something more of like going to prom, you know? Like, you go down to, uh, you know, 42nd Street in the 70s and the prostitutes are putting glitter in their hair? Like, <laughs> I don't know. It seems like a Katy Perry kind of thing. Like, <laughs> Right. All right, whatever. Uh, but it's good to know that he is the uh, little... Uh, a German foreign exchange student from The Simpsons in the 1990s. Uter, she, yes. she tosses him a uh, square of chocolate from her pocket. So I don't know if that's spilled from her purse or whatever. I don't know. But <laughs> the anyway. contents, yes. Yes. But he says, ooh, chocolate. He <laughs> caught the morsel and unwrapped it. Yes. I My note exactly was he's Uter or Augustus Gloop. He's, okay. He's, she, she looks back at him and he's already got it smeared all over his face and he's licking the wrapper, you know. <laughs> uh, as a Ukrainian, sure, that's a good uh, another good stereotype. He's, yeah. Ooh, the chocolate. <laughs> and then uh, he has his mouth full and says, oh, hey, uh, did you have a chance to test the condom? No, I haven't had sex in the two days since you gave me the condom. So, again, whatever the payoff is, is not, it's either going to be the greatest thing we've ever read on the podcast or it's just going to be like that. That was what you had to remind us every single chapter that she was carrying this thing around was for. Uh, so then she tosses him the, the, uh, the Zaffo thing. Oh, yes, because uh, that was what was in the safe. Yes, we, did, we neglected to mention that. The, oh, Zaffo, yes. the Zaffo case that uh, had some weird like cord or a wire in it's, it or something. Yeah, it's just a it's just a cord. Yeah. And, uh, and she uh, he offers to like you know to help her, does whatever, and she's he's offended when she tries to pay him or something. But that you know it's a, a, a sort of pointless development. Um, and then she what what does she then have to leave to go after this? She leaves to oh, go. She to goes the park. to the arcade district mm-hmm. uh, to stake it out because that's where th- she thinks that I, I lefty. Guess we're, lefty is going to be yeah uh but here now it's just a tick so because here's a description uh evening in the arcade district's busiest uh evening is the arcade district's busiest time of the day it's when the and this is one word rich fucks come out to play <laughs> what 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 is happening i don't get this one. <laughs> this is all of your goal is to be rich yeah that's true that's buried in the uh you hate the non-rich people the only person you liked was a rich fuck. Sorry. <laughs> He's the only person you've had any amount of praise for. So I don't understand. Yeah. And you just went to a five-star hotel, well, like the most luxurious place on earth, but the, and the rich it. fucks don't gather there. Yeah. You enjoyed the, the finest scotch there was to author, offer. I, I, it's just a tick. So it just it bugs me. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, it is her goal. And uh, as someone wrote in, with the analysis of the uh, how much money she's actually doing this for. We'll get to that um, at the end, but uh, it's uh, not even that much, it turns out. Um, <laughs> I, I, this is another tick of hers. It says uh, she pulled out her real gizmo and turned it on. Um, it powered up and showed the familiar wallpaper, a picture of a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel puppy. What? I like puppies. We didn't object to this. It seems yes. like one of the more normal, endearing things about you. God. <laughs> The exact same thing. Like, what are you, why are you yelling at me? You're describing something. I'm not rich, I, I assure you. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, uh, you know, Dickens doesn't describe the do the boys school, you know, in Nicholas Nickleby and then go, what? It's, it's a school with a bunch of poor kids at it. Like, I, 
I didn't say anything. <laughs> I'm reading your description. <laughs> I trust you. Yeah, it's not a uh, it's not a joke either. It just is a it's a dog. Yeah. Uh, and then this is quite a section. I just wanted to read as a you know some more examples of the prose. The trick. Oh, she gets some gunk and goes into a uh, like cafe overlooking a bench where she's left her gizmo as sort of like a, a lure. If someone's tracking her, she'll be able to see him. She says the trick with gunk is to steer clear of stuff trying to taste like other stuff. Don't get the tandoori chicken flavorant. You'll just be disappointed. Get Myrtle Goldstein's formulation number three. That's good shit. No idea what the ingredients are. It could be termite carcasses and Italian armpit hair for all I know. I don't care. It makes the gunk palatable, and that's what matters. Good, good, good. Sec. Moving on. Thank you. That was quite a. <laughs> I, I had that note, and I just, I just, I, I, I have nothing. To, it's like that is so bad that I can't even. <laughs> I, I, I mean, if Klein wrote this, and it's not Andy Weir, mm -hmm. wouldn't you use this as like as you read that and go like, I, I'm sorry, I put this ruse up. This is obviously not mine. Yeah. <laughs> this dipshit wrote this. That is the worst thing I've ever read yeah it would be you know if if kurt cobain did write uh holes uh lived through this for courtney love if he put you know wild honey pie in it she's like well we're not gonna do that so, you know, it's, it's a big tell we can't be that you're not gonna put something that terrible on the album that i'm putting out under yes. my own name brother i did however it, w it wasn't until this moment that i remembered that when i was on jeopardy Settle down quilters. Um, <laughs> that I one of the one of the questions I got one of the answers was gunk. What? Yeah, uh, I, I isolated the clip. Let's we can play it now. This word for thick grease comes from a trademark for a grease remover. Connor, what is gunk? Gunk. That's the word. Draw your gun. Two hundred. Wow. But yeah, very exciting to uh, one, of, one of my one of my few triumphs on that episode of Jeopardy was getting to say what is gunk on uh, national television. <laughs> And I never uh, gave it a second thought until now. Uh, a lot of talk about gunk in this. This was good to finally uh, get that uh, <laughs> get that out of the way. But um, here's the the weird thing. Unless he has something before it, I'll just get to it. This is about Rudy. Yeah, Rudy finds her. Uh, and I'm just going to preface this with, what the hell is going on here? Um, uh, sit down, Jazz. He shot me like, eat your gunk and let's talk. I settled back into my seat. There was no way I could take Rudy in a fight. I tried once, back when I was 17 and stupid as shit. It didn't go well. The guy had muscles of iron. Magnificent stallion-like muscles of iron. Did he work out? He had to, right? I wondered what he looked like working out. Would he be sweaty? Of course, he'd be sweaty. He'd be all dripping down those muscles and rivulets. I know you didn't commit the murders, he said. <laughs> oh, what is, yeah. What is going on here? We're on the run and horny, baby. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think that's, you know, that's what he thinks a uh, horny 20-something-year-old woman does. I just thinks about rivulets of sweat running down muscles as a guy works out. As he's eating a bowl of, I assume, green slop that looks like uh, Italian armpit hair or whatever. Ah, yeah, and... has to make your sweat smell terrible. Like, you know, just like everyone's got like weird, you know, burps and farts from gunk all the time. And she's talking and he's coming to her with like, I know that you, you know, like you, you're in big, big, big trouble. Mm -hmm. But um, 
and instead she's thinking about his sweaty body working yeah. out in like a calvin klein uh, perfume and plus he, he yeah and he grabbed her when she was 17 <laughs> <laughs> true. She did try to attack him when she was seventeen. Back when she was stupid as shit, though. She's she, <laughs> she, that she's improved a lot since then. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I I I don't know. It doesn't uh, doesn't reflect well on what his opinion is of twenty uh, twenty year old girls. Nor does it when she uh, says stuff like this. He says, uh, uh, "Do you know who owns Sanchez Aluminum, the company that she uh, sabotaged there?" Uh, harvesters i shrugged some brazilian company they're owned by o palacio brazil's largest and most powerful organized crime syndicate i froze shit shit shittity shit yep (laughs) (laughs) uh it was uh my friend uh who told the story of the guy in his window Mm mm-hmm I happened to be doing this reading. I was at a very loud brew pub. Okay. Wow! Uh, because um, there were uh, there was a bunch of people in our house, and you know, anyway, I had to I had to leave for okay. for, for reasons. So I just went down. It's just down the road, and I, you know, Wi Fi and all of that. Put the uh, noise canceling headphones in and did my reading. <laughs> and my friend called, and we talked about that. And then uh, I sent him snapshot of shit and he immediately texted me back like mother of god <laughs> he's like oh the guy was right the guy was right it's got to be klein yes well i mean so yeah the editor let that into a new york times bestseller that's good i almost noped on out of there when i read that but uh, I, <laughs> maybe i need to be reading at a brew pub that might make it a bit more tolerable <laughs> Uh, I also at the, I just want to say at the brew pub, I, I had the, there were, there were a bunch of kids, right? It's one of these, you know, just a big open space, very loud, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why the, 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 uh, earphone, the noise canceling helps. There were kids everywhere. Cause there was like, uh, some softball team came with, you know, the parents and the kids are just <laughs> running all around. And I looked at, uh, and I was reading chapter 10 and I, cause I'm not reading from a book. I couldn't tell how long it was. And I uh-huh. scroll, I scrolled out and I went, uh. Son of a bitch! Like, <laughs> super loud. <laughs> Little kids turned. You know the whole place. It was like spoons dropping and monocles into martinis. Like, oh dear! No, you don't understand. I'm reading a follow up by the guy who wrote The Martian. Oh, uh, our, our <laughs> deepest sympathy, sir. That's a thing, uh, though. We went to a, a, a brewery the other day, and there was a, a kids' soccer team had just come from there after their um, fra- uh, game or something. And this is not like a nice one it was sort of like in a you know industrial type of area there was no place to really run around and i'm like this is just you don't go to chuck e cheese anymore you're just like the parents are have enough uh sway they can be like we're going to the brewery again kids i felt the same way it was very weird like i couldn't tell who the parents were of the kids they were just like running up and down like in and out of the doors you know <laughs> slamming into stuff playing tag and it's like anyone yeah. does anyone know who these kids are anyway nice. Well, he goes on to explain that uh, uh, Artemisian slugs are an unregulated, largely untracked quasi-currency, and the city has iffy vi- identity verification at best, were a perfect haven for money laundering. So between that and the uh, the morality mobs, that seems like something they really need to get their act together on up here. <laughs> it is essentially like, uh, you know, Tortuga in Pirates of the Caribbean. It's just, you know, the place you go for all your illegal stuff to happen. Uh, yeah, and, the, and it's all... 
uh, regulated by one guy, one just rippling muscled mm-hmm. chunk of muscle with sweat dripping down his bare chest. Who talks assume... like Dudley do, right? <laughs> yes. And he's the only, like, I am the law. Yeah. He's, he's the only thing between utter chaos. And yeah, and mo- the literal mob ruling Mobs the, uh, and... Yeah, beheadings and, you know... Uh, Yes. Uh, it's amazing that there's not more like graffiti or stuff on the on the moon site since there's just it's clearly is turf that must be claimed. No one's respecting the American flag anymore. Like, uh, right. But uh, she, you know, tries to get him out of there. She's, he's trying to take her in, but she decides she's not had enough. She's going to nope on out of here too. He says, "Don't do anything rash." I did something rash. <laughs> I flipped the table. And hauled ass. Hell yeah. Uh, yes. I, if you had, you know, in any book, you should say, what's the over-under on hauling ass going to be? And you should rightfully say, I'll take the under at .15 at zero. Um, but, man, three is a, a, a unacceptable level of hauling ass in a book, I'd say. The, the ass hauling ass is tough. <laughs> uh, but so she goes to get away from him, and she runs through a back door because she knows which doors are locked. They were supposed to keep it locked, but they never did. Right. So she runs down the corridor like, you know, you can imagine the chase music starting like, boop, 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 you know. Shaky like, cam, uh, yeah. Yeah, born identity kind of stuff. Like, oh man, we're going to get a lot of a lot of fun uh, jumping over buildings through the moon and all of that. But she stops because he's not following. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then like does a, a big Buster Keaton routine, <laughs> where, she, where she stops and then goes through the door, um, and then looks at him and he's not there, and then realizes that he's jumped out the window. Yes. And so yeah. uh, so she asks someone, and I'm just like, so okay, there's a an action thing that doesn't start, it sputters out, there, then it goes to like you know, pizzicato strings because it's a weird blink, blink, blink. Yeah. What is this? Sneaking Hmm? back into the room that she hauled ass out of. Yes. And says, what's going on? And to a person, not sure, he said, some guy kicked the window out and jumped through. It's three stories to the ground. Think he's dead? Lunar gravity, I reminded him. (laughs) But it's like 30 feet. Lunar gravity. Never mind. (laughs) Was the guy dressed in a Mountie uniform? You mean bright red clothes and a weird hat? Uh, oh my god! That's where you in the middle of all of that. Yeah, and that's where you get the realer fanfic: uh, uh, light shirt, dark pants with a yellow stripe. Oh, Han Solo pants. Yeah, he had those on. <laughs> Han Solo's pants have a red stripe, and it's not even a stripe; it's a bunch of dashes. Some people have no education. So, uh, the context of that being in the same chapter. As the you know, U.S. Enterprise thing is also pretty incredible. Yeah. Well, you, uh, you can't defend this guy anymore. <laughs> we're done. We passed it. Yeah. What do our triumvirates say? Uh, they've been, they were pretty quiet. They haven't, uh, they haven't, they haven't chimed in lately. <laughs> um, I also just wanted to point out that when she does turn around, she says she channeled my inner dumbass in a horror movie and walked back to the door. Mm-hmm. So she switches up the Buster Keaton viewings with, uh, um, 1980s uh, Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Yeah, which she watched uh, in rotation many, many times over. I'm back-to-back back viewings multiple times. Back-to-back back viewings, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, she looks up some uh, stuff about this aluminum company. They're like now deploying guards around the remaining harvester. 
<laughs> she says, uh, I might have been on the run for my life, but I wasn't willing to go without email. I just had it running through a proxy so no one could tell which gizmo I used to check in. So I like that it's like, you know, the net where just if you need to do something, you just, you know, uh, mode them into a proxy, essentially. Sure. Just like, what are we doing? Ah, proxy. That's fine. <laughs> and then she says this. Uh, this struck me as a little... Uh... There was a certain pride in knowing I caused an entire company to shit themselves. <laughs> they tried to kill me. I mean, you, you sabotaged a bunch of their stuff. I wouldn't call stepping up security shitting themselves, <laughs> yes. would you? Especially when the uh, oxygen supply of everyone on the moon depends on this one last thing. Like, we're taking the uh, very real crime that was committed seriously. <laughs> Yeah, I went in and I planted a, a nail bomb over at the, uh, you know, Chef Boyardee factory. Like 13 people were killed and had been blinded and maimed and everything. Yeah. And then, then the company closed that one and uh, for safety concerns. I, I can't believe they're shitting themselves yeah. over this. Um, overreact much? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a... Uh... Uh, I'm not rooting for her. I don't think anyone is, but that's a... Uh, my God, I hope not. With. Yeah. It ends with her, uh, she emails her father, and uh, no, no, her father's tried to contact her, but she ignores it. And then the last email's from Jin Chu, the uh, Zaffo guy who's from Hong Kong who needs Cantonese food. And they agree to set a, a meeting at her father's welding shop the next day. And uh, she goes to bed in her nook. And that's how chapter ends. There's no uh, communication with Kelvin at this point in time. No, the uh, letters, the uh, <laughs> that part of the uh, book is done. Yeah. But uh, chapter 10 is, is sort of a long one, so I guess we'll have to be sort of uh, selective about what we discuss here. Yeah, um, we're getting, uh, we're, we're running long, yeah. so let's get chapter 10. The, uh, it starts with her saying, uh, the thing that sucks about life or death situations is how boring they can be. <laughs> I had to look up where that was on the Goodreads quotes rank list. It wasn't, uh, it didn't, it didn't it wasn't up there. It. but it is very similar to that's the thing about crying yourself to sleep when you wake up, the problems are still there. Yeah, there's the multiple the things about things that are stupid. The number one quote is, I don't think we've got to this yet. On a scale from one to invade Russia in winter, how stupid is this plan? Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Uh, so she talks about how she had uh, smoked when she was a kid and it, it had, you know, she puked from all the smoke that built up mm -hmm. and she was doing it just to uh, get back at her daddy and, you know, like, take that daddy. And then she writes, God, I was such a dipshit. What's changed? What? Was? I, <laughs> I don't understand. Are, are you? Is this supposed to be a mature version of you now? Yeah. What? What? <laughs> I yeah. I, I I would like to see the list of like you know what what has changed in your uh, in the ten years since this happened. But everything seems pretty on track. You're just not smoking <laughs> cigarettes. Right. You're, you're bitter. You're 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 drinking all the time. You're. Immature in your sense of humor and, and ethics. <laughs> your relationships don't last. People think you're a whore. <laughs> uh, um, and she also tends to just react with, you know, sitcom equips to everything because she goes to, uh, um, uh, I guess this is Jin Chu. He shows up. She says, uh, how did they find out I did the sabotage? He looked at his feet. I groaned. Oh, you are such an asshole. <laughs> so at this point, like, I don't know, you know, if if the lefty guy had, like, tied her up and, you know, it was just, like, taking her fingernails off one by one, she could be like, uh, could you not? I just had them done. <laughs> like, uh, 
But, I call those my whore nails. <laughs> okay, they're press-ons. But still, if I had had them done, that would have cost me 30 gunks or whatever they call them. <laughs> uh, it's, uh. <laughs> um, she, uh, This is petty, but uh, she was going to... Uh, uh, with the guy, the lefty comes in, of course, she's been sold out by this guy who right. she didn't, I mean, she didn't know him at all. He carried a Zaffo case and she saw him for two seconds. So yeah. whatever, but anyway, she trusted him. Kind of, yeah. Uh, I clicked the trigger and the blowtorch flamed to life. I held it out at arm's length toward the approaching lefty. Which part of your face you want creme brulee asshole? <laughs> Which is like, you know, I mean, actually... He would go, my, I speak French. My face is not creme, so technically <laughs> oh, wow. it would only be bruleing my nice. face, which is actually bruyant uh, is the actual term you're looking for. But anyway. Nice. Where, where do you think she was encountering creme brulee? Just I as don't a, know. As a reference a good, point. Uh, gunk brulee, I suppose they serve at the... <laughs> Uh, but right before he uh, he burst in, Lefty, I just uh, the Hong Kong businessman talks how like I am I would just guess that like Zoe Deschanel talked on New Girl. I've never seen the second of it because <laughs> he says she says first tell me what Zaffo is. He winced. It's kind of a secret. <laughs> we're we're past secrets now. He looked truly pained. It's just. It cost a lot of money to make that sample. We had to launch a dedicated satellite with a centrifuge to grow it in low Earth orbit. I'd be super duper fired if I go home without it. Like, oh my god! What are you doing? Like, <laughs> I think someone else wrote in and said it was the second use of super duper in the book. So, oof. Again, if you're hauling ass three times, though, you got to make room for multiple super dupers, and uh, it, it leads to what I think is probably. The, uh, I don't know. What, I said it was one of the worst things I ever read. I assume you have it highlighted. But uh, he says, uh, you make it hard, I make it hurt, said Lefty. He had a thick accent. This can be quick, doesn't have to hurt. Jin Chu covered his face and cried. And I'm going to get fired, too. God <laughs> damn it, I yelled to him. Will you stop whining about your problems during my murder? I, I, I just, I, I honestly, I, I think it's one of the worst things I've ever read. I don't know. I have nothing else to add. It just is a. Uh, you asked a lot of times last time. Is, that, is this making you happy? Anybody? <laughs> is anybody happy about this? And it, she uh, follows it up very quickly with I grabbed a pipe from the workbench. There was something weird about being on the moon fighting for your life with a stick and some fire. It's not that weird. It's the only place she's ever like lived, you know, where she has forming memories. So it's like, you know, it should but, be the most normal thing to her. But, but, but also. It, that's true no matter where you are, right? I mean, it would be weird. It's not a normal a weird, situation, so it's yes. by definition a weird <laughs> thing to find yourself doing. But this is weird. This is weird. Uh, when Lefty paused to consider why the hell I'd done that, she releases like a steam valve or something. Um, well, Lefty paused to consider why the hell I'd done that, I leapt to the ceiling. Which is, like, what? I, I, you know, uh, oh, wait. Not parentheses, not hard here. The average person can jump three meters straight up. It's the moon gravity. Ah, I'd forgotten about it because he had it reminded us about it in like a couple pages. So that's a good. I, I simply had the note. No, no, no. It simply can't be. This has to be a mistake. He has to have forgotten. An editor must have said, like, we just got to keep pouring it on. I know it's awful, awful. It feels terrible. It insults everyone, 
everyone in the room is dumber for having you having <laughs> written it, but we're going to do it anyway. Like, okay. Or no book. Right. Okay, yeah. I guess. I, yeah. I mean, if it's Ernest Klein's editor, he must have some sway. You know, he's, he's made it rain. Um, but uh, that book I keep mentioning, Tomorrow, 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 would do stuff. It spanned a couple decades. So it'd be like, she did this, you know, or like, you know, he, he hadn't gotten, he couldn't get in touch with her. Remember, this was the 90s and not everybody had cell phones. And it's like, that has to be an editor. And again, it's so <laughs> underestimating your audience's intelligence right. that it's like nails on a chalkboard. But uh, this is so often that it, I, I want to, I don't know. I, I might give the editor some credit. Uh, so she, so this is an action scene. I don't know, unless you have a lot of stuff we no, can kind of skip no, over it. Yeah. She like busts open a, uh, one of his, uh, one of her dad's things of neon, a tank of neon. Mm-hmm. And then she ducks into an air vent or an oxygen. Yeah. Vent. Like the places you'd go if there was a fire, I think. And then, uh, so the, you know, neon spills out and displaces the air and these guys pass out and he can't open the door. Lefty can't open the door. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, Rudy, uh, Rudy, <laughs> lefty, come on down to yeah, put right. the sweater on and the pudding and the Rudy. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Rudy has, uh, has quite a setup. He goes to the, uh, Rudy's office and this is just, if you, if you nitpicked the, uh, creme brulee, I got to talk about this, but it says the rest of the room wasn't much larger than the apartment I'd grown up in. If Rudy had been born a few thousand years earlier, he would have made a good Spartan. Because, because he has a small office? <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> it's a, you know, a Spartan is an adjective, correct, that you could yes, use to describe yeah. something. But, uh, you know, he, as far as I do, they would just be have beards and wear like gold speedos and, and shout stuff and then kick uh, Persians into pits. That's, kick, right, that's my exactly. main takeaway. So very, yes. very interesting though that that's just a good uh, not 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 as warriorist, not as rippling rivulets of sweat, but his his office. You didn't know that the Spartans, the the uh, the gates of fire, where they defended off that huge army, it was just a small office. Oh, well, I, I guess they didn't make that clear that makes in the more sense. yeah. <laughs> Wow. Um, yeah, and this wasn't even like close enough to 300 that you could say you're still coasting on that momentum. That's just uh, it's a decade later. Uh, and then Rudy is like, uh, Jin and, and uh, Jazz are bickering. Rudy says hush and pulls a squirt bottle from his desk and sprayed us both. And I was like, this is the one time I'm, <laughs> I honestly want to know how the moon gravity affects something. That's exactly what I, why not three paragraphs of that? <laughs> Squirting a bottle from it and... Hush, he said. Jin winced. Now that's just unprofessional. So there's there's a little more of that uh, new girl or whatever. Yeah. Quit bitching, I said, shaking the water off my face. You may be used to taking shots in the face, but I'm not, he said. Okay, okay, that was a good one. Go fuck yourself, I said. <laughs> Jeez. Again, uh, our hero. Draft, like, yeah, the, the editor, like, right? I think she goes on to say, like, you know, eat shit, go fuck yourself. Like, it's like <laughs> you, you don't even want to try to make her say something other than just the, the most bold-faced cliches. Uh, so I think what this whole scene is supposed to play out like a, uh, you know, like a cop's office, you know, with his sleeves rolled up and a cigarette and, mm-hmm. like, What'd you haul me in for? You know I'm not, you know, but it's like a tiny, so I don't know what's going on. And then he's spraying people with water. and that's, Yeah, like, I guess that's supposed to be funny, like a dog. Like, uh, 
uh, yeah, and then the uh, the president, I forget what her name is, the, the grand consulate from um, Kenya comes in and sort of says like, you know, hey, like, you know, we can't, this place wouldn't run without organized crime, essentially. She says, every city needs an underbelly. It's like a city of 2000. So, so Christmas River also needs an underbelly, like uh, what, whatever. Um, it's sort of, she, she gets them out of there and she says to Rudy, like, we're not, te- we're not sending these people back. We're not doing all this stuff. So she intervenes. And she, at that point, she says, but Lefty, I guess I should call him Alvarez, had killed people from two different countries. Now what? And I was like, oh, no, but that Lefty, it was so great. It was hilarious every time. (laughs) Now we're calling him Alvarez? Really letting the reader down. Yeah, everything got depressing once we entered this Spartan office. Yeah. But we do, this is the first time I looked it up. She says, uh, this, Rudy says, this is ridiculous she's clearly guilty what's your fixation with this girl girl i said i'm 26 (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i I was we were guessing 21 22 is the height maybe yeah based on i mean i don't know what i don't know how but yeah i had to look i i searched for it 26 is the only mention of it here um maybe she said i came to the moon when i was six and then 20 years passed but Right. Okay. And then, uh, so keep in mind, 26-year-old, Rudy glared as she left. Then he shot me a look. You're not safe. You're better off confessing to your, I'm sorry. You're not safe. You're better off confessing to your part in this and getting deported to Saudi Arabia. It's easier to hide out there than here. You're better off eating shit, I said. (laughs) The 26-year-old said. (laughs) To someone who is, I think, genuinely trying to give her some advice. Yeah. I don't know, but... uh, 100%. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And then uh, this this one at the bottom, too, is the uh, really uh, um, caps it off. Uh, She says, I'm better off on my own. I guess that she's not saying still. It's the same author is writing this. The author is glancing up at his picture of him and Ridley Scott, uh, him and the (laughs) handwritten note from Matt Damon, um, you know, and says, I'm better off on my own. Thanks. I turned to Jin Chu. What's Zappho? Suck a dick. (laughs) Weird. Weird. The uh, letter from Ridley Scott just burst into flames on my wall. That's, uh, (laughs) huh. It's uh, ignoring my calls. Bizarre. He hasn't even read this book and somehow he knew. Oh, Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> uh, but so, the uh, uh, the administrator of the of the moon, Nuji, uh-huh. I don't know how to pronounce that, lets her go. Yep. And then uh, she says uh, to to Rudy, like, "Hey, a friend wants to meet, but the last time I met someone, it was an ambush or something like that." And it's like, yeah, how is your dad's shop, by the way? <laughs> right. Yeah. The uh, neon. You knock some stuff off the walls. Valves. Gases were flooding everything. Did your dad die in the neon? Like, what? what's the mop-up from all of that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. For the second time, I mean, they, they, they let it on fire when she was smoking weed with Sean, too. Exactly. He likes double beats. He really does. Uh, after that, she goes to the bar because it's her um, constitutionally mandated meeting with Dale, who the uh, bartender greets by saying, How's my, fa- How's my favorite arse bondit? So that's a uh, just a sort of a woe. Um, and she sits down and has a, a, a uh, um, conversation with Dale. They're talking about Sean. And Sean's, <laughs> Sean is uh, not guild, and he's against the Electrician's Guild, which is a... Uh, can we move on with the rest of the story at this point in time? Guild talk. Yeah. And uh, um, it's good to see that uh, Dale... 
I, I assume the, the new girl less dialogue, and I assume this is how the gay characters were talking in Sex in the City. He says, uh, "Barkeep, some little girl thinks she can outdrink me. We'll need six pints, three for the gay and three for the goy." So I'd say uh, it's just good when the, the author can branch out into writing other convincing characters. Yep, I had the, the same one with the yep, Sex in the City, the movie, <laughs> for sure. Right after Jazz, how bad is it? Well. People want to kill me, so <gasps> pretty bad. Oh, God. <laughs> That's the weird touch. Uh, and then we get uh, a description of a hangover wake up. Oh, nice. Which I want to commend to everyone. I mean, I won't read it. It's just absolutely terrible. <laughs> but uh, read uh, Kingsley Amos's Lucky Jim is, has one of the most famous waking up from a hangover paragraphs. It's quoted on many, many sites. And oh, stuff, nice. So just look it up. <laughs> I won't read it. It's a little too long, but it's very funny. And, and I just thought, oh, man, this is like so many levels below that. <laughs> yeah. Just terrible. It's barely recognizable as the same art form, you would say. Probably shouldn't have been a good idea to get wasted in the middle of all this shit. But as I've established, I make poor life choices. As I've established, I suck. Keep reading my book and rooting for me. <laughs> as I blow things up and get stabbed. Uh, and then uh, she goes to get a new jumpsuit, which I didn't know she was wearing a jumpsuit. I didn't know whether her oh, horror yeah. costume was on or whatever. Sure, yeah. It was not but clear. she says, uh, I got to get a new one. It could almost stand up on its own at this point. So, you know, dad jokes of the past, surviving in the future and beyond. It's, a, it's just good to know. <laughs> right. oh. Especially because her dad seems like the least uh, likely guy to deliver that sort of stuff. As right. A, a, a devoted workman, you know, a, a devout religious. So is he yeah, who is the guy the, who uh... sort of raised her and yelled at her? Maybe he's the one who did that kind okay. of crack. <laughs> well, speaking of cracks, she, she gets greeted by Svoboda. Um, before she even has a chance to knock. Jazz, wait till you see. Whoa, you look like shit. <laughs> Which I think is a, a old enough cliche that that might have been the first example of a supercut I ever saw. Like the first viral supercut I think might have been of all the you look like shits from movies and uh, and TV. Like that's how uh, <laughs> time-honored a rote line that is. I think, yeah, and maybe 2008 or something. Mm -hmm. That was when that super cut of it came out. So you're talking about many, many, many years of that. And again, he likes to use stuff past its, uh, you know, best by date. Yes. He likes to yeah. <laughs> wait until it's. And he's not, you know, he's not stocking up, you know, canned spam that will last you outlast the nuclear war like Twinkies. He's buying, you know, gas station sushi and trying to roll it out uh, <laughs> three months later to people. <laughs> Uh, and I'm just going to mark it down. We're at um, four, I think, chin pinches. I pinched my chin. Oh, man, I haven't been noting them. What does she do yeah. that a response to? I think it's a, a a way to think or something. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. The thinker. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> he <laughs> it, likes it. Uh, it was my cousin's 10th uh, wedding anniversary today, and she got married in Paris, so I was looking at pictures to send her, and there was one of me posing in front of the thinker statue, so... Oh yeah, chin pinching is uh, well yeah. uh, well represented there. Sure. Um, the basic plot is he has found that the Zaffo device is a fiber optic cable that has like zero uh, attenuation of the signal. Um, 
So ZAFO stands for Zero Attenuation Fiber Optic. And so now we're really starting to get into the weeds with some more. He gives some science talk that's wildly uninteresting, but it appears this is going to drive the rest of the, um, what there is of a plot here. Um, but yes, the cable uh, bandwidth is the, <laughs> the, we finally got to the heart of what this is all about. And it's about bandwidth. Yes. It's like when you, uh, isn't a Chinatown about like water rights or something like in the middle of exactly. the war type yep. of thing. It's like, all right. <laughs> but you still, even though we're getting into science talk, you still get room for some of this. She pinched her chin. The more I thought about it, the less I liked it. Then all the pieces fell into place. Oh, God damn it. Whoa, said Svoda, who's shitting your Rice Krispies? <laughs> <laughs> so, a Ukrainian uh, who sounds a little more like uh, the German exchange student. Mm-hmm. Whoa, who's shitting your Rice Krispies? I prefer the Cocoa Krispies, as I love the chocolate. Is, uh, yeah, is doing jokes from, uh, what, like the movie Aliens or something from the early 90s or something? Yeah. I, you know, like, you good can... morning, ladies. <laughs> you look like someone shitting your Rice Krispies. Yeah. Sometimes when you get Cameron to try to skip school, it's as if someone has shit in his Rice Krispies. <laughs> but I am still going to borrow his dad's Ferrari. Yes. <laughs> Um, and she uh, nopes out of there and says it's not about aluminum. It's about something else. She, she is trying to piece together what's going on with this uh, scheme. And she goes to visit uh, the ex- – what is her title? Oh, administrator, Fidelis Ningugi. Um, and she visits her. She opens the door. Her office – so th- remember, this is the same chapter. Her office was even less fancy than I'd expected. Spartan, even. God. I mean uh, – <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think it's 50-50 whether it's a, a, a intended callback or if he forgot that he made a, you know, heavy air quote joke about that a couple pages ago. I think he forgot. I don't <laughs> think there's any. It can't be a callback because it's it diminishes the other one. Yes, it's a different as, style. As crappy as that is, it's still, yeah. <laughs> uh, but she does have a, uh, so she has a 1950s sheet metal desk. Yeah. So when they were putting that, like loading in the loading dock for the for the meat wagons or whatever they call, them, did one of the guys go like, "Hey, we don't, you know, obviously we don't take these. We yeah, you know, it's you'll you'll get one made of uh, a light plastic laminate. Um, yeah, everything is flat packed, you know, recycled uh, plastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah clearly <laughs> we can't take this desk. It's also a uh, just a bizarre. I mean, you know, not to harp on it again, but even if, even if you were into desks, it seems like a hard thing to pin one down to a decade, let alone someone who clearly is not into desks, uh, identifying <laughs> the desks of 1950. Uh, but then the, the chapter, uh, because again, I'm looking forward going, oh my God, this chapter's still not over, is a long talk with the administrator, what did you just call administrator, her? Administrator, yeah. Of the moon, like she's in charge of everything. Uh, she has a talk to her of like, hey, could you explain the telecom industry to me? <laughs> and then you, you'd think, of course, it would be like, get out of my office immediately. Yeah, there's still an unsolved double murder. Yeah. Yes. But no, she sits and explains the telecom industry on Earth to her for a long time. Mm, yes. She's, uh, the main gist of it is essentially uh, to manufacture this specific type of cable, uh, you need... Um, 
lower gravity than you can do on Earth. So they're hoping they can manufacture it on on the moon, and it would cause all of Earth to have to replace all their fiber optic cable to use this new one because it's better. And so, you know, the the an impossible price tag to put on how valuable this is. And then she says to end the chapter, it's kind of like one of those. Um, um, the, but the telecom industry, you know, also has uh, has these other kinds of cables. I never mentioned the other kind of cables. <laughs> yeah, she Columbo's her again, right? Yes. What? Who? Who mentioned that? Oh, I assumed he was murdered. Like, yeah. no, I never said that. He died. <laughs> and then she's pulling a knife from her boot holster <laughs> and held it at the ready. How did Opalazio find my gizmo? She pulled a gun from under her desk because I told them where it was. The end. The end. Yes, the administrator has betrayed her, and they're both uh, pulling things from oh. beneath the desk. Like, oh, after a long talk about the telecom industry, it made me <laughs> laugh so hard. You've got to be kidding me. Yeah, it's the uh, the one person she thought she could trust has uh, betrayed her in the interest of fiber optics. It seems like a, uh, what's his name? Is it Tim Robinson? Who's the guy? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think you should leave. I think you should leave, guy. That seems like a skit that he would do. <laughs> People pulling things on each other during the middle of a very boring business meeting. <laughs> you want to talk telecom? Somebody pulls out a compound bow, you know, to somebody else. <laughs> a Rottweiler is in the back of their, uh, from behind uh, there. Yeah. Ah, I mean, she, she has a boot holster, too. A good thing to know. It's um... A boot holster, yep. <laughs> Oh uh, man, a lot of dumb stuff. A lot of uh, a lot of guys writing a twenty-six-year-old, and I mean, every, everything keeps stacking up on itself that we uh, have noted from the first previous chapters. Uh, it's personally delightful to me, I, I think, um, to read something this this bad and this uh, supposedly different from what else he's written. I, I I guess I'll have to dip in to a little bit of the prose. I find it impossible to believe that anything is better than that because you just can't, you know. Mozart didn't, you know, suddenly just write, um, you know, a, a replacement song or something. Yeah. Yes, or, you know, he didn't... Uh, the replacements is a bad example, but sure. right, yeah. <laughs> he didn't write... He, he didn't write a three-chord... Yeah. Yes, yeah. Uh, and then go, oh, and now I'm going to write the Jupiter Symphony, you know. <laughs> yes, so yes. I just don't buy it. It's it's possible, but I just don't, I don't see how that you can shift up like that. Well, before we do some sentences, I'll read one email. We do not have time for a lot of emails, but we have some yeah, good ones. We'll, okay. we'll do them later. But there's one someone wrote in, and for the life of me, I can't tell if they were serious or not. So I'll just read another example of, um, of Andy Weir. Um, this is from Lysi. It says, uh, I am pro-Martian. Watney is A, joking all the time, even before getting stranded on Mars, and B, trying not to get depressed. Of course he tells jokes. I mean, okay, sure. Like, whatever, you know. She says, uh, they say, I don't know, I'm not sure. One of my favorite quotes, tell me that it's not funny. Okay? Mm-hmm. There is no indication that um, Lysi is, is joking. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is 1152. It's a text exchange or something. Watney. The crops are potatoes grown from the ones we were supposed to prepare on Thanksgiving. They're doing great, but the available farmland isn't enough for sustainability. I'll run out of food around Sol 900. Also, tell the crew I'm alive. What the fuck is wrong with you? 1204 JPL. 
We'll get botanists in to ask detailed questions and double check your work. Your life is at stake, so we want to be sure. Sol 900 is great news. It'll give us a lot more time to get the supply mission together. Also, please watch your language. Everything you type is being broadcast live all over the world. 1215 Watney. Look, a pair of boobs. Arrow emoticon, parentheses, period, capital Y, parentheses, period, close parentheses. I'll, I'll text it to you, but it is a, it is a uh, AOL chat room uh, emoticon that you could set, probably describe as boobs. <laughs> and that is, I mean. Uh, tell me that isn't funny. <laughs> yeah, that's what they, that's what they asked, yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, I will then. So, um, so this is a passage from the Martian. Someone has wrote in to to say that that that's what we're missing. Um, hey, I, I. All right. What could you say? Um, you know, you, when you when you use someone's own words as the uh, as their greatest weapon against them, uh, not the argument I would have made, um, but. Let's find some more dumb sentences with the uh, dumb sentences of the week. A sentence begins with a capital letter. A capital letter is a letter that's big. A capital letter is not a small letter. A capital letter is big, big, big. A sentence. All right, more dumb sentences of whatever time interval this has been. The first one is from uh, Claire, who submitted, Travel's a bitch. Uh, that was like the reason that uh, people wanted their home food, but she also wanted to submit it as Southwest Airlines' new slogan. Uh, <laughs> Mike sub- well, duh, uh, submitted the first sentence of the chapter. I don't know if we need to re, re- to, of, sure, of this section. Sure. Stared yeah. at Dale. Uh, Daniel submitted Trond was a good guy. He just said the, the mega billionaire using jazz to commit domestic terrorism so he can more easily <laughs> enact a hostile corporate takeover. Uh, Chap submitted, first of all, duh, I said. And he said, that's Jazz responding to Rudy as he's trying to help her by pointing out she isn't safe from future hired killers. <laughs> there we go. Joe submitted, God, I was such a dipshit. Um, he also wondered if was was what's with the past tense. Harris submitted, uh, okay, I pulled a screwdriver from my gaudy purse and jimmied the lock. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Craig submitted, here we go. This is This is important. How about, so this is two sentences, which I frown upon, but how about a thousand U.S. dollars? That'll be around 6,000 slugs. And Craig has analyzed this. He says, we now have an exchange rate. We know what Jazz agreed to sabotage the harvesters for one million slugs. So her price in dollars is one-sixth of that around, you know, $166,000. But those wouldn't be the U.S. dollars of the late 28. So those would be the U.S. dollars of the late 2080s, 70 years after they published this in 2017, um, when he says, assuming 2% inflation over 70 years, Jazz's million slug price that's equal to $166,000 in 2087 would be the same as $41,000 in 2017. <laughs> so even though he's claimed to work out the economics, I don't think we're really thought about how incredibly low the stakes are in the story. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's just a, a very fun detail, I think. Doctor Evil levels of yes, uh, exactly. extortion. <laughs> uh, John submitted uh, heat rises even in lunar gravity, and he said during the book he keeps interrupting the narrative to explain how ordinary things that we take for granted are different with lunar gravity. Now he interrupts the narrative to explain an ordinary thing that we take for granted is exactly the same, and the lunar gravity gravity is irrelevant to it. Why even bring it up? 
Uh, Elliot submitted, that seemed a little too Buster Keaton to actually work. <laughs> okay. He says, the only ma- media jazz has been shown to care about are Saudi Arabian gossip sites. Um, uh, Mike submitted, I pressed the doorbell and heard a simple buzz emanate from the room beyond. And he said, did she expect it to play La Cucaracha? <laughs> a simple buzz. Uh, he said, um, uh, Justin submitted, I like puppies. He said, simple, elegant, stupid. Maeve submitted the uh, one that Don DeMillo read. Uh, sure, I have a nice body, but I wish it had been a little more effort to become so trashy. And she said, someone should sit down with the author and ex- ask him to explain what he thinks having a nice body and looking trashy have to do with each other. <laughs> you get a real insight into the author's brain through a throwaway comment like this. Uh, Hayden submitted uh, Lunar Gravity, I reminded him. He said, too, this is referencing Poochie, whenever lunar gravity is not on screen, all the other characters should be asking, where's lunar gravity? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Edmund submitted uh, this one. Ever hear of Gizmos? And he just said, yeah, you might have mentioned them. What is this? Uh, Oh, uh, John submitted every phone line, every internet connection, every cable TV subscription. They all create revenue for the industry, whether directly from the customer or indirectly through advertising. John's observations, they still have phone lines and cable TV in 2080. Uh, Do you think they're still bundling? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And he said, uh, I don't need to be told how the telecommunications industry makes money. First of all, I'm not an idiot and I know how marketing works. And second of all, I don't care. But uh, she is pulling a gun from her uh, knife as she says, uh, from her boot as she said that. So, boot holster. Uh, Amy submitted. This is again a, a, a two sentences, which I do not encourage, but it is a funny um, juxtaposition. There are no surveillance cameras on airlocks. We're not a police state. And she said, so only police states have security cameras for their critical <laughs> infrastructure? They're not a police state. They're a bunch of morons who shouldn't be running a city unless the world solved terrorism and vandalism completely. Probably at the same time they were curing all known diseases in Armada. Uh, Josh submitted, for the love of Allah, don't tangle with murderers. Uh, Janelle also submitted multiple sentences. This is the last time we're ever allowing this. But she said, how did I know that? I must have heard it somewhere. I don't forget stuff. She says, I know it's not one sentence, but my God, it's Andy Weir's Prince Battle. Um, and that was her <laughs> referencing why she knows the uh, the uh, Enterprise uh, model number. Right. I, I had, f- I began, but suppressed the you in my throat. <laughs> and I also had, I don't think we had, I stood out like a sore thumb in my prostitute regalia. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? Uh, no, mine were all cover- well covered. Um, so, yeah, I don't have anything. There's so much dumb stuff. It's hard not to cover them in real time. But uh, wow. I appreciate the commentary from people. Yes, indeed. Woo! Oh, all right. That we went, did it. Went long. We didn't even have any dark web material. we got to step that up. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Well, thanks, everybody, uh, for reading along. We have two more Artemis ones after this. Um, so maybe they'll be a little shorter to, to do that. But uh, Yeah, I think there's a little bit less reading. And uh, as he said before, one more chance to uh, fool me with real or fanfic. I believe I'm just hovering slightly above 50%. Yes. So please take me down. Yeah, step it up, people. Uh, thanks, All everyone right. who supports the podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, everyone, for uh, sticking their head into strangers' windows to <laughs> give them your theories about the podcast. If that was you, please write in with your version of the event, please.